Sony and Tencent battle it out for From Software. Wait, are we starting? Yeah, bitch. <laughs> 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 It's in the pop up. And what maybe one of the funniest openings to this show ever. <laughs> I would like to welcome us back. Uh, <laughs> and welcome wait. you, listeners and viewers, back to uh, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. <laughs> I am your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me this week, as has been the way for a little while now, is one Mr. Uh, Chris Figs. How's it going? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, Chris. First and foremost, uh, I appreciate your patience last week, and I guess I can extend that to the listeners as well. Uh, I wasn't feeling great last week when it came day to record, and it only got worse. And I am still a little under the weather, though it's it's I'm just a little congested. So you may hear me cough and or sneeze, and I will try to edit those out to the best of my ability. Um, but you may hear a couple or a couple, you know, deep... <laughs> Oh, yeah, you know, that deep sound right there. You love that, don't you? I will try to minimize that as much as I can. That was just for reference. But we are here. We are back. Uh, and we're going to play catch up on news from not only this week, uh, but previous week for those of you who uh, like to listen and rely on us for news or at the very minimum just want to hear our thoughts on some of the big things that may have happened last week that we did not usually do. So. With that out of the way, I want to first of all welcome any people who are new to the show and may have just found us and are listening. We hope you stick around and enjoy the show. And potentially, if you end up liking what you hear, be part of the community where you can be part of the community's take and whatnot. But we start this show off in a time-honored tradition. And that time-honored tradition is asking Chris why he has decided to play Red Dead Redemption 2 for the 18th time and why... It apparently seems to be sticking on number 18 as opposed to the 17 times before. That's a little hyperbole, but I don't think it's that far. So, Chris, take it away. I thought that was going to be way more grandiose. I'm not going to lie. I had big expectations for how you were going to introduce that. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. <clears throat> yep, start again, please. Remix it. Chris will fucking blow your mind with this next <laughs> revelation. Doom, doom. Uh, yeah, no, I'm playing Red Dead 2. <laughs> um, All right, so now that we've taken the grandiosity approach, <laughs> uh, yeah, so wh- what's up? <laughs> what's I, I, different this time? Well, that's the thing. Like, nothing is different. Like, all my complaints are still there. That's just working this time. I don't know. It's, it's, I've always, like, like, I've said on the show that the Red Dead 2 is the worst game of all time shit started because it pissed Blake off to no end. So it became extremely funny. And then I started getting worse when Brett was telling me that listeners were talking shit about it. And I'm like, okay, well I'm just just doubling down on it. Yeah. More fuel for the fire. Right? Exactly. But I, I think I've been clear that like, I don't think red dead two is bad. I just don't think it works for me. I mean, but that, that bitch is, is working on me right now. <laughs> I think that you are underselling that pretty massively, if I'm being honest. And I don't even mean from the times where you're obviously and clearly leaning in. <laughs> but in real conversations that we've had about Red Dead sure. 2 leading up to this, I feel like you're underselling the fact that you genuinely have strongly disliked very m- many aspects of this game 
up until now where you still say you dislike them, but maybe how much they grade against you are either lessened or what. And just for the, the sake of the listeners, because this is whenever I saw you playing it again, or actually I saw you in our little private discord pop up and say, Oh, my autosave was turned off. Yeah. I was like, holy shit, Chris is playing Red Dead again. So for a little <laughs> peek behind the curtain, like yeah. maybe three weeks or a month ago, Chris started playing Red Dead 2 and apparently got past the, I will say it, as someone who likes Red Dead 2, incredibly, terribly slow, painful opening that, mm-hmm. Chris, I can't, I don't understand how you've gone through that opening as many times as you've had <laughs> to continue trying the game. More power to you. But point being... uh it didn't auto save after he got. Uh, did you make it through chapter two? Because chapter two was also painfully like slow and boring. Um, no, when it didn't save, I got. I like had just set up the camp, so I turned okay, it yeah. off, and I'm like, "This is the perfect time." It must have just auto saved. The mission ended, and then I turned it back on, and it was like trudge through the snow. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm good. Because <laughs> I was at the point where you have to do that big shootout and you have to go hunting with Pierce. And I was like, I don't want to do mm-hmm. either of these things right now. Yeah. But then I just pushed through it. And yeah. now I'm on almost on chapter. I'm almost done with chapter three, but I've been playing all day today and I haven't done a mission. So <laughs> you're just fooling around and doing everything but. Yeah, I've been doing treasures. I've been doing some hunting, uh, stuff like that. I guess I was just Red Dead. Red Dead Two is pretty good. Fuck you. Fuck all of you. Red Dead Two is pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hold on, Chris. I'm pretty sure the fuck you is coming in to you. All listeners, yeah. if you if you have strong feelings about Red Dead Two, I want you to take this opportunity to hit Chris with the fuck you that he just tried hitting you with. Hold on, send it in. No, hit no, us no. on Twitter. You, you can send him in his DMs. <laughs> you're more than welcome to do that. But both times I have said I've hated a game and actually liked it, I have come back and taken it back and be like, "Now nah, the game's you all have. right." Twice. <laughs> I've never lied about you- it. <laughs> I will give you big, big time props on that, which is the way it should be. But I appreciate that you follow through because you are a man who had the strongest and wrongest, (laughs) in my opinion, of of thoughts I've ever heard on the Outer Worlds. And uh, you, you repented. (laughs) I did. I repented hard. Got that platinum very quickly. Yeah. Great great game. Great game. Well, Chris, I'm glad you're enjoying uh, Red Dead 2 this time around. Uh, You did say something in the private chat that I think is worth a a quick discussion because I'm almost a little surprised. Like, if anyone was going to take this opportunity and run with it and in a game that I feel like it makes the most sense in, you had mentioned that what you want out of a Red Dead 3 would be essentially the Nemesis system from the Shadow of Mordor games and... uh, Weird little trivia. The Nemesis system is the same base that they just continued building on top of that the original Fear on Xbox 360 and PC. Uh, it's the AI system from that game just continually built upon and improved upon. Um, which is strange because you don't think Fear and think the Nemesis system, but the ideas behind the way that they built the AI for that game, at least for the PC version, um, is what led to that. So, yeah, the idea of a cowboy game, definitely a game in like, you know, the 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 Wild West era to a degree and and looking at what that is. 
and how ruthless things could be. It does seem like an easy game where it, you essentially have people, if you treat people good or bad, they might come back and mm-hmm. hunt you down. And it does have that, right? Like it has the like, oh, you saved me from a bear trap. Uh, here's a $600 gun. You know what I mean? Like it has that in the game right now. But what it doesn't it's- have, and the reason that I, I brought it up, right, is because I was saying to Blake that I'm playing the story with High Otter. But like mm-hmm. I'm riding through... I'm riding through the wilderness and there's a guy like a hundred feet away. I'm dead eyeing and shooting him in the head with an arrow every, every single time, every single time, <laughs> like without question. Someone yeah. talks back to me, shoot him in the head. You know what I mean? That's how I play that game. It's bad. Cause I want high honor, but that's the most fun way to play it. Like hog tie people up and throw them off cliffs. Sick as hell. But what I was saying to Blake was that it would be really cool. If like every time I did that, that family, knows that it was me and like just comes for revenge at some point and like you could just set that up the same way they set up red dead 2 where it's like oh he got coughed on at the beginning of the game and but spoilers i guess um (laughs) (laughs) i'm the only one in the world who hasn't finished the game by now i think but (laughs) but you know you you do that you have that same thing but at the end of the game this whole family has built up in the background to come take you out or another gang or something like that i just think that would be a cool way to use it i think using it for emergent gameplay makes a lot of sense and i think with that type of game it's set up to be a little bit better but you know the nemesis system is one of those things where i the reason i've wanted to see more people use it uh and, you know, there's probably maybe even copyright issues as to why they haven't. I don't really know if you can no, copyright or yeah, trademark or whatever Warner you want to call these. has a patent on the technology. A patent. But it's free go. to use for everyone in the industry. Okay, I thought I'd remembered them doing that, but also allowing anyone to do it. So, point being uh, for it is I think that there's been too few games that have used it. And as such, it hasn't seen the growth that the system could use by people bringing new ideas to it. Because as much as I liked the system uh, when it first came out, and even in the second game with uh, Shadow of War, whenever it was still intact there and slightly expanded on, is it starts to feel a little too comical in the other direction. Because like you get to a point where like you're killing someone and every single time they come back and you're just like this is it's you've now you've gone past what the initial goal was which is to make it feel realistic that you hurt someone or wound someone or think you kill someone and they come back and seek revenge but whenever you've killed the same guy like 18 times and i know that's hyperbole but point being if you kill the same guy enough times it starts to feel like it's just a game being a game and being like well we're just going to bring him back because we need you We need you to have something to do. And I would love to see a game try and weigh that down a little bit more and try and find ways to have the Nemesis system, but have it be a little more radiant where it's you don't always have to rely on the same five people coming back. And instead, every time that you meet a new NPC, which is very hard for a lot of reasons, that that NPC has a radiant ability to go out. But the problem with that a lot of the times is that how do you make the content behind it to push it up? Uh, one thing da- uh, David Jaffe was talking about, which I actually, it, it's such a great idea, but it's just, we're nowhere near the technology for it, is the idea of when, if you get to a point where AI can help, like you can set parameters within a reason and the AI can help generate story and voice acting and animations and whatnot to tell a story emergently as things happen 
and then adapt on the fly to make things feel more unique and because they would be more unique. It's like, that's a cool idea. He talked about the last of us too, that there's a part where you're cranking a wheel and then the handle breaks. And he said that for like, he didn't really understand why, but he was in a weird headset and it, when it first happened, he thought it was, and the character threw it down and said something. And he thought, oh, it's the game adapting to the fact that this thing happened because it wasn't supposed to happen. And then he kind of came back to realizing it was supposed to. But that's a cool dream. And it would be cool to see a studio like Rockstar kind of push for that dream. Though I don't know if... I don't know if Grand Theft Auto is the... I don't know if that's the platform to debut that, right? Because those games are kind of more silly. I feel like you could do it, but it's just going to be more comical (laughs) kind of in the way that uh, I feel like Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War got with the Urukai coming back and kind of being jokey. Uh, I don't know, though. Uh, Well, I think the thing is I wouldn't say the same NPC comes back. And I think the one point that I would make to your point is that it's it's consequence for your actions like if you go around the wild west as a serial killer and then Mm -hmm. every once in a while like this dude's son just shows up to try and take you out and it kind of builds that way that would i think that's the upside you you answered the problem that i brought up from those games and saying that it's the family which is the right answer it's a nemesis system without it being the individual and rather being the people who know that individual Mm -hmm. building up and, and and doing that i still feel like that's probably a hard system from the ai routines you'd have to do to not have it be every time it's his son you'd have it be different people different motivations as to why they came after you yeah it would even be interesting to see that you kill somebody and someone else like this is where radiant gameplay systems like that can be cool like what if you killed somebody and then someone else starts to seek you out and you think they're trying to kill you but then it turns out they want to join you because they've been wanting to kill that guy for so long and you inspired (laughs) them you know what i mean like yo craig fucked my wife thank you (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it's like i've decided that due to your actions i'm throwing caution to the wind and i want to become an outlaw like you and he joins the team and that's a completely psychic system-based happenstance that happens and the game just accounts for it and suddenly he's in the camp. Hard to pull off, but that would be so much more interesting because it feel like your actions are impacting the world and the world is impacting you back. Yeah. In a way that most games miss. In a lot of ways, this sounds like a really dope live service game of like, it's the Red Dead world and this whole stuff happens while you're doing like missions, but then you have to build your own camp. And like these people can all join your camp and eventually you build the uh, highest posse. But I do think it's funny because you were talking about people coming back. Like you shoot an NPC in the head with an arrow and he comes back. And it just reminds me of in Shadow of War how like the way you kill the orc is how they come back. And it would just be so funny if like this one guy just comes back and he's filled with arrows in his head. He's like, I'm coming to get you, Mr. Morgan. Come you know here, what's boy. crazy is that technically Undead Nightmare has already set up the grounds for people to come back and fight you as zombies. True. <laughs> oh, I've got it, Chris. You've got it. Hit me. Red Dead 3 with Rogue Legacy set up. It's a live service game. You play, and then what it is is that when you kill a character, there's a permadeath system. And so whenever they create a new character, it's the son of their previous character. It's like they're their lineage and then so it's the person coming back but character wise on screen you're seeing it as their family because like rogue legacy every time you play and die your offspring comes up and gets a new benefit like a new trait benefit mm-hmm. so like if 
if you killed hit the the previous character by like shooting him in the head, the new one comes back with like increased for realistic sake it wouldn't make sense but for the sake of the argument like maybe he comes back with like higher headshot resistance or whatever it be you know what i mean <laughs> he's wearing helmets yeah. <laughs> you can't shoot through this boy anyway i think that's kind of an uh, interesting idea a red dead online slash what would you call that i guess slash roguelite <laughs> yeah red dead legacy <laughs> That actually sounds incredibly cool. It's a pretty good you name, think, not gonna lie. You think we could you think we could pitch this to 2K and Rockstar? Uh, I mean we could, but they don't they're not making any effort on Red Dead Online, so I don't know that. Not it'll even work. remotely. But mm, oh well. That is what it is. All right. Well, Chris, anything else no, on your just, play docket? Just uh Blake and Brett don't think I'm gonna get the platinum. So like Sekiro, I'm gonna get the platinum. It'd I never be- said that you wouldn't get the platinum. True, true, but you definitely doubted my ability, or you doubted that you said it would be very. You said good luck with that, and I took that. I did as say a challenge. good luck with that. I took it as a challenge, whether you meant it as a challenge or not doesn't doesn't matter. I took I it. Meant as a challenge. It, I meant it as good luck because it's a challenging platinum because of specifically the online. Yeah, uh, but no, Chris. If anyone in my life that I know is going <laughs> to get that platinum, it's probably you. It's probably three <laughs> thirty a.m. Yeah, I would say later. That'll be like a six a.m. like <laughs> seven forty-two in the morning. <laughs> I, I text you never guys slept the, the night before as I'm on my way to work. Platinum's done. <laughs> I believe it, Chris. It's I happening. believe in you. Oh, thanks. I believe in you. Somehow that it's makes interesting me want though that you've just been freebasing Red Dead Redemption Two when you're normally spastic with games. So. Yeah. That says a lot. I've played like one game of MLB, a couple Apex sessions, but nothing else. I even like yeah. launched The Last of Us 1, and I was like, this is really good. I wanted to kill myself, and then I started Red Dead again. So uh, It was so weird. Like You were like hit blowing me up to make sure that I got <laughs> The Last of Us Part 1, and you've not even played it. <laughs> That's not true. I did play it. I got through the intro. Joel doesn't have his backpack yet. But I did, I did see the brick walls of Boston. <laughs> but no, I, I'm not even gonna lie. I felt a little bad about that because I hit you up, and I hit you up not to like press you, but I was like, if he's not gonna buy it, I'm just gonna fucking do it. And then you were like, no, I got it. It's fine. So I'm like, okay, cool. And then yeah, I was just like, I don't want to play this right now. I want to play Red Dead. So conversely, I have been playing when I have been playing, which has not been a ton. I actually played a good bit last night and into today at lunch. Uh, but Red Dead 2, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've been playing The Last of Us Part 1. Um, and and it's, it's coming from such an interesting place because like, I know that I am one of the people that, and, and I still stand by what I said, I think the price is uh, too much for my personal liking. The reason I bought it, first of all, is that it was port. It was uh, points. It was reward points for my credit card uh, that are specifically Sony reward points. So why not? Chris buys plenty of games that I get to benefit from. So I try to go out of my way to buy games that benefit Chris whenever I know it's something I'll buy. So there's like a give and a take, and there's a lot of reasons. I think if I was in a vacuum, right, and I wasn't thinking about the if I didn't have reward points, and I wasn't thinking about the fact that Chris and I game share. I don't think I would have bought this at seventy dollars. Mm, I, I feel okay. pretty strongly about that now. Not because I don't think it's not w- really well done. Of course it is. I just think that it's 
for me personally, the the long running argument of I'm paying more. I'm I'm paying more than I paid both of the original times for PS3 and PS4 for ultimately less content. And for me, I don't think that sits right. I think that this sh- it, last gen, right? Like let's say that this would have been a remake of last gen of this caliber. Sixty dollars, sure. uh, forty dollars would have been the price point that ideally I would have seen it at. Uh, I think this gen with that ten dollar price increase, I think games that you used to see at forty should move up to fifty, and that should become the new budget. You know, like that's the new remake kind of budget price. Now, of course, I didn't expect that. Um, but all this to say, I was clearly a somewhat vocal proponent of the fact that I thought that the price ultimately set a weird precedent that I don't, I wish that they wouldn't have gone through because I think that we've seen a lot game, a lot of games do more. Um, like, you know, getting three Crash Bandicoot games for $40 is just an absolute steal. And it's ultimately a little bit longer than The Last of Us. And they both got the same treatment ground up graphical crazy amounts of graphical changes um so that said i got it i didn't really have anything else i was itching to play since i played so much kill zone i thought i was going to go into Shadowfall, and i just i i was kill zoned out after mercenary two and three um <laughs> so at that point i decided to play runescape all the way until Friday, and then I've decided Friday that I would start The Last of Us. And I only actually it was Saturday morning I started The Last of Us and played the beginning, and then I got back on it um, yesterday. So not very far. I'm in the sewers. Um, nice. It's not not far, but it's also not far. Um, it's but game looks great. Game looks fantastic. Um, it feels pretty good. Of course, I'm playing on performance, so 60 frames per second. Um, looks great with the uh, dynamic 4K, which is really just 1440p, which I'm okay with. Um, the one thing I was a little disappointed by, and I kind of had a feeling, is that they didn't bring as much of the, the Last of Us 2 gameplay to the front as I was hoping. And I think that that's because they didn't want to have to redesign levels. I don't necessarily think that redesigning levels would have been necessary, though. I think that you can highlight the differences between Joel and Ellie in third character. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why I'm trying not to spoil uh, The Last of Us 2 at this point, but I'm still well, trying not to. Hold on. It's only been out for eight years. It's not, not remake The time. Last of Us 2? I don't know, man. I was just making fun <laughs> of the people who do that shit. It hasn't been out yeah. long enough for a remake. Stop. That's such a weird question. Yeah. It's, it's a, I actually think it's a good question, though. It's like, when is when is too soon for a remake? Okay, it's never too soon. Well, that, that, that's why don't we actually have this kind of conversation? Of what, it, why don't we have this conversation at the end of the show? And this can be the sure we can do that. No, we can do that because <laughs> I think uh, it's a but, good conversation. The uh, the upsides I'll say about it is the game looks and feels great. I think it it, it brought back the. Uh, the safe mechanics in The Last of Us 2, which to specify the difference between The Last of Us 1 and The Last of Us 2, uh, if you listen in The Last of Us 2 and The Last of Us uh, Part 1, the remake, you can open all safes as soon as you find them. Instead of, you know, the, the levels are designed for you to find the safe, trek forward, find the code, and then backtrack to the safe and open it. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that they're designed. And I understand the loop. Um, and so the, the praise for the system the way it currently is is that 
they've done away with the need for that in both two and uh, one's remake by having it to where it works like a real safe. If you listen, you can open every safe by just listening, listening for the tumbler, the tumblers to click into place. And so you do the first, first code and you keep clicking through the numbers and eventually you hear, and it'll be a decidedly different tone. It's subtle, but it's different. And then you keep doing that throughout and you can open it without ever having to go worry about finding the code. I did it in part two. I've done it the entire way through this. And I still go find the notes that have the codes on them because they count towards the trophies. But they're not necessary. I don't have to backtrack. And I love that. Now, one thing this does highlight for me, and it's uh, it's something I love about Deathloop and other immersive sims that do this. I hate that all the codes are set up to where you go find a piece of paper and then you pick it up and it puts it in your face and it makes it so obvious. I really like when games do things where they put safe codes on walls in an area. Stray did this. There's a part where there's a, a, a safe and you can find a code scribbled on a wall and then you have to go back and put it in. I think Deathloop had that same system where it's like you can just see a marker board, marker on a marker board that says the safe code and then you have to like write it down or remember it and go back to the safe code. And I think that that makes for a better gameplay loop for me where I feel like I'm doing more work than this finding a piece of paper that puts it in my face. And then you can go back and just pull that up whenever you want it. I get that it's an accessibility thing. I just think that I feel kind of like we talked about with Red Dead. I feel like I'm impacting the world by having to look and remember. And there's a possibility that I miss this code and I miss all of that stuff going on. And I think that that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, game's great. Uh, it goes also to show you how much The Last of Us Part Two improves on The Last of Us uh, systems. I think The Last of Us 1 still feels great, but there's something to be said that regardless of how you feel about the story of Part 2, Part 2 showed with direct context how much can be done to improve The Last of Us formula because The Last of Us Part 2 is just simply significantly more fun to play. It's more dynamic. It's more wide range. The stealth is much better and far more diverse. The enemy reactions are more interesting and better. The level design facilitates ways for you to go multiple ways. And by sense of that, Part 1 kind of feels like a hallway shooter. It's really not, but it feels so much more restricted in scope. Um, so that said... Chris, I hope you get back to it and enjoy it when you do get back to it. I will. But for now, I will play The Last of Us 1 eventually, but I also like want this to end so I can go play Red Dead. So I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm, I'm happy for you. Red Dead's a long game. Definitely the way you're playing it. Yes. Uh, where, it is. where you're doing everything, not necessarily the story. Um, my hope for you is that you don't burn yourself out. Oh, I mean, worst case scenario, I'll just wait. My only, I, I think my only worry is the online, but even then I'm already level like 25. Like I've been kind of doing it f for a while. Even when I didn't play the single player, I did play some online. So, okay, I got you. Get there. Well, with that said, we're going to move into the community's take. And of course, we skipped a week. So, we're going to keep the community's take as it was, which is Thoughts on Gamescom Showcase, standout trailers or games that got on your radar that maybe weren't there. And we got some answers. We went ahead and kind of jotted down the ones that were um, the most poignant or really brought something. Uh, Rude Cold, one of our patrons and longtime listeners, he says, I didn't watch it, but caught up on some trailers. Was very impressed by the look of uh, Lies of P, which, of course, you should be. <laughs> Nothing else really stood out to me, though. Um, which kind of brings an interesting thing. I noticed that the most common thing I see is that less people watch the actual showcase 
and it feels like more people play trailer catch up, which is exactly what we did. So <laughs> what I we did, get exactly. it. But is that just strictly because of the timing of when the event took place and that it kind of fought with people's schedules and normal day to day life? Or is it saying something more about the idea of a showcase itself and how long it was that people feel better about the control of skipping things that don't look interesting to them or watching at their own pace? Uh, what do you think, Chris? I just don't feel like, for me, there was anything that drove me to watch Gamescom. Like in history, I've never felt like it was a show with all these big announcements. And I don't think Jeff Keighley is enough of a draw for me to be like, oh, I have to get up at like, and the, I don't know when it, when it showed, but oh, I have to get up at mm-hmm. 6 a.m. so I can watch this in the more, in the, you know, live in the Americas. Like, just didn't seem worth it to me. So I feel like if this was like E3, There'd be a lot of like, yeah, I watched it live or a PlayStation showcase, but Gamescom never felt like an essential thing. It's it's weird because some of the, my favorite games and very unique games at the very minimum, like games I remember really well, have been announced at Gamescom. I don't know if you remember back in 2012, 13, one of those two, uh, they announced Killzone Mercenary at Gamescom. And I think the same year they announced Tearaway, which is one of the best PS Vita games, definitely one of the best uses of Vita. Uh, and I think that they also, this wasn't Sony, but this was just a, a game. Uh, did you ever play Remember Me? Or did you ever even see it? It was yeah, Don't Nod's it. first game. I yeah, played a bit PS3. of it on PS3. Dude, I love that game. It's got That's a good. really fun combat style. Uh, and the story is pretty interesting for the time. It's a pretty game. For the Neo time. Paris or whatever the name is. says it's interesting. That's like saying, it well, it's not interesting at all, but... For the time, it's Honestly, fine. I still think it's interesting. For I just think time. that it's kind of like The Last of Us. You know what's weird is I still think The Last of Us is great in a lot of ways. Yeah, it is. But The Last of Us has been The Last of Us inspired people to outpace The Last of Us. <laughs> it, it, that's not a bad thing at all, in all honesty. It's just that game is popular for setting the tone, but then other games have gone on and really perfected that tone better than the original. Part of that being certain aspects of The Last of Us Part 2. I also have a new hot take around The Last of Us Part 2 based off of Part 1 that I would love to have a conversation with you about. It's very spoilery, so I'm not going to talk about it on the show. Um, you just give a spoiler warning right now. I don't feel like having to edit that in and be dead honest with you, mainly because tomorrow is going to be interesting anyway. I'm going to be out of town in the morning, so I don't. Uh, the episode may not go up on time. I'm just going to give you warning. This this live recording doesn't warn anyone else, but it'll go up tomorrow. I just am not <laughs> sure what time. Well, great, <laughs> I, do my I best. look forward to listening to myself talk too. So <laughs> thanks. Stop. Get help. <laughs> yeah, I probably need it. <laughs> I like listening to myself talk. Um, I'm a funny guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so the uh, continuing on with the community's take, we have Rude Days 93 says, Lies of P, Sonic Frontiers, and Lords of the Fallen are definitely games, which actually it's not Lords of the Fallen. What it's is it called? The now? Lords, Lords of the Fallen. The Lords of the Fallen. Good Lord. Are definitely <laughs> games nice. on my radar now. <laughs> 
overall, I thought the show was pretty good. Most of the games seem interesting. I do think it was missing that big headliner game that you would see at Game Awards show. But overall, can't say what I've seen was really bad. And I think that's a pretty good way to say it. It definitely didn't have the one takeaway that everybody was like, holy shit, did you see that game? Like, you know, the Twitter rumblings and Facebook rumblings. But it had plenty. Um, interesting that he says Sonic Frontiers because I agree, as I told you, that Sonic Frontiers trailer has me in such an odd spot where I don't, I'm still undecided on if I think the game is going to be good. But I think I'm leaning towards buying it to find out, which is probably <laughs> all that the trailer needs to do. So good for them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, lastly, dream. we have. <laughs> gamers gamut uh one of our newer listeners or at least uh one of the newer people who actually reach out and kind of uh talk with us he says i didn't watch the actual showcase itself much like uh rude cold uh, and i think mark shuts as well he and says us. um but yeah but throughout the week there were five or six things that i liked enough to make a youtube video about uh gamers gamut i hope that that's actually your youtube if it is people go check it out otherwise throw your channel stuff we'll give you a shout out people can go check it out he says for me lies of p and atomic heart stole the show atomic heart looks sick super phenomenal sick. <laughs> and there were some cool smaller titles like under the waves and phantom hellcat um so there you are i think phantom hellcat looks interesting but i know that was the one chris that you were like i don't give a shit <laughs> i don't think you watched the trailer you were like strictly off of the picture and the name you're like Mer. I'll check it and we'll see while you read the next thing. Look, go for it. That is uh, the end of the community's take, though, uh, as far as the ones that we we grabbed. There were a few other answers, uh, but <clears throat> we're trying to take, take a longer show and kind of bring it to something that we can work around. That said, looks fine. Uh, we are going to. <laughs> good job, Chris. That was very Thanks. quick of you. I skipped through the trailer. I thought. It, I mean, I just watched every trailer at point five speed, if you remember. That sounds even worse. Arguably, but it gave it gave me the information I needed for us to pull off that three hour show. So you know, it was a good show. I had fun listening. It to was it. a three hour show with two hours of prep. If you remember, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so it's also really a two could. hour show with an hour of bullshit about food. I mean, that's Which, true, but that 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 bullshit was important. Dude, I, I also, thought so. Also, uh, I would like to take this opportunity to apologize for everyone for both of our pronunciations of Yorkshire, because it's Yorkshire. <laughs> Yorkshire don't care at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, moving on to the news, sure. though. And uh, remember, if you want to be part of the community's take, uh, you can always find us on social media uh, at Twitter. We're over there on uh, Twitter at Triangle SQRD. We're on Facebook in the group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. Asked to be entered in there, we'll gladly let you in. Or you can always find us in the description, hopping into the Discord, which we keep uh, for you to join. And we'd love to hear you guys. There's a community's take dedicated section there for you to answer. There's discussion board for you to discuss about it. There's general topics, music topics. You can come hang out with us, talk with us. Uh, we can have conversations about what we're doing, what we're playing, and just uh, you know have a good time. That said, we're going to move on into the news. <clears throat> First thing in the news, Sony has made multiple acquisitions moves this week, one of which is more significant to Sony's portfolio than other. Sony and Tencent have bought both 
uh, have both bought rather close to a third of From Software from its holding company, Kotakawa Corp. Uh, this gives Sony a foot in the door in terms of getting new exclusives, but it is unlikely that this move does anything other than help improve From's pipeline. The other move brings about an entirely new vertical inside of Sony as the company has purchased mobile developer Savage Games. They help establish. Uh, Sony's PlayStation Mobile unit, which now stands as a new pillar of Sony's three-leg structure, which is Sony's first party, Bungie, and now PlayStation Mobile. Uh, As you may remember, Bungie is at the core of their live service plans and are on the board for consulting, (coughs) excuse me, consulting for other live service games. Uh, Herman Hulse again reiterates publishers, the publisher's intentions to continue pushing out story-driven single-player games. For its part, Savage is excited that Sony is interested in its vision and staple of IP, uh, stable of IP. The studio is working on a triple-A live-service mobile game, which I'm going to take that opportunity right now, Chris. If you had to guess Mm -hmm. what IP Sony would probably be most interested in trying to get someone to immediately get on the phones as quickly as possible that you also think could work on phones, what IP do you think that they're looking at here? I've been Uh, thinking about it since they announced this. SOCOM. And that's because I think one of their teams, whether it's Gorilla, whether it's Deviation, is making a Rainbow Six SOCOM game. But I mean Rainbow yep. Six Siege as in that type of gameplay. Sure. And I think it will be PC, mobile, PS5. Okay. Cross so you're saying that... See, now, I'm going the opposite way. I think that this is going to be a a phone-only game. I don't think that this is something that's aiming for that, even though I definitely see that as something they want to do in the long run. But I think what they'll want to do as their first push-out is I think they'll want to get a game that is phone-exclusive, but also in a big enough IP that may draw people who are not typically phone gamers into being phone gamers, but more importantly, to capture the phone gaming market that doesn't typically bother with console. And when I was trying to think about like what IP of theirs has the highest chance of moving units, but it's live service. And that means <laughs> this sounds weird. And I don't think it would happen, but much like apex has uh, the mobile version, which is feature separate and everything from the console version. Correct. Mm-hmm, correct. I could see legends. this being, yeah, I could see this being, the last of us uh because if you do a the last of us and you do a factions for phone that lets you kind of get that little appetite and then also for people who are on consoles uh to then also come back home and play the bigger version of it with uh something like the the new factions mode that's actually coming for ps5 i could see that working the only other live service thing i could potentially see them doing because they definitely view grand theft uh grand turismo rather as that so I don't know if I don't know if Gran Turismo fans would go for a non polyphony digital developed Gran Turismo. But I think the IP, the accessibility of car and racers and how easy that is to do on phones mechanically, I think you could pull that off. See, I think the games they're gonna be making are specifically like I I guess to restart 
I think the backbone deal was a canary in the coal mine of what these games are going to be. And sure. <laughs> those games are meant to be played with that backbone. So I think we're looking oh. at a shooter or a platform. Well, every one of these, every one of these games will do better with the backbone, regardless. Um, sure. Because actually, I, one thing I didn't say that I think is, for my opinion on this, is important. Um, I played a MOBA for the first time. I forgot to mention that, but Donovan uh, had reached out to me, and me and him try and play games fairly often, and I hadn't played anything with him in a while. And he was like, we should play something this weekend. And I know he's been wanting me to play Pokemon Unite. And so I relented and downloaded Pokemon Unite and tried it out. And I played it on Switch last night. And Saturday, or whatever day it was, Friday, I played on phone. And there's benefits and negatives to each. But when I played on Switch last night, I had a much more consistent time because of physical buttons. The game has a lot of benefits on phones that come from the touchscreen, actually. But direct control of the game is not one of them. I kept making mistakes strictly because of trying to work with things with on-screen buttons and and trying to use digital analog sticks. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think that the backbone um, is important. But I also, that further brings up my curiosity as to why backbone is being limited. The backbone one, specifically, being limited to Apple when backbone makes controllers for Apple and Android. I don't know. I don't know, man. I'll just be interested to see. I don't I don't know. I just and this sounds bad, but I feel like a racing game where you, you tilt your controller just feels cheap and I don't know if PlayStation is going to want their games to feel cheap. <clears throat> and I, I cheap is if cheap if is they a hard make it word, right, but Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, che- cheap is a hard word, but it just it would just put me in the same sense of like if they made an uncharted runner you know what i mean i'd be like oh you have no original ideas so i feel like maybe they'll try and do something that's like oh it's on mobile but this has the playstation brand identity of a quality new experience for mobile players you know what i mean well that's actually kind of what makes gran turismo be a good fit to me because as far as i'm aware and i don't spend a lot of time in that realm uh but my brother plays a lot of phone games and he tells me about them because uh, he doesn't have consoles but he's always trying to play console like things on phone because he has a phone so like he played call of duty mobile diablo immortal um Ooh, sorry he plays racing games all the time on there and as far as I'm aware, there is not a very heavy sim-style racer for the phone that really plays that way. So I think if you take the primary aspects of a Gran Turismo, where it's about not only tilting your your, your phone or anything to try and steer or anything like that and just having a gas or a brake, if you actually try and bring it into where you have uh, different traction aspects going, you have to change tires, and you bring in a lot of these things where you can tune your cars just right, that you have to potentially you know know exactly when to break when to come back off uh i think if you make that game right you carve yourself out in something that doesn't currently exist in that market while also bringing people who may have always liked gran turismo but have kind of fallen out of buying playstations definitely with how hard ps5 has been to get for a lot of people i think you can bring a lot of people in that route um but at the same time they seem to be doing a lot of stuff right now where they want to have uh, cross, um, not platform, um, cross media, I guess, 
So that's why I think that I I agree with you in the sense of like if they do make a um a SOCOM game, right? Or whatever the online that they're doing for that is, that they also bring it to phone. I could see that being something that they have they want to do because it creates situations for both. And that's also why I went with The Last of Us, because it can be something that's original, standalone, and it is only for phones, so they can show off the quality, but it ties into the fact that there's currently the last of us remake without factions there's gonna be a last of us tv show which might drive people to a phone game quicker than to buying a whole console that they may not have you get what i'm saying i do so but we'll see what it ends up being and also how long it is that we get there because my other question as sony starts getting into this is we've seen console games turn into three four five year development cycles what are the development cycles for a phone game? Because previously I'd say I don't know, but Diablo Immortal was announced in like 2018 and just came out this year. So are we talking, maybe it was 2019, but either way, are we talking three to four years for a phone game? I wouldn't be surprised. That seems excessive. Phone game. This would be my thing where if I was Sony, I'd be like, if we can pull off phone games right, make them just good enough that this could be our we make a new game and get it out every year and a half two years and that supplements the fact that console games are starting to take four years to make five years to make but i don't know i don't know that console games are gonna are gonna take that long to make anymore dude i hope that they speed up because good lord it's crazy thinking about ps3 and how many output how much output studios had and how much that shrunk throughout ps4 I mean, it, it, it's been, you know, GTA 3, Vice City, and San Andreas all came out within three years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Which, but that's I, a real crazy example. But even Grand Theft Auto 4, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Grand Theft Auto 5 on PS3 is far more than Red Dead Redemption 2 that we got on PS4. That's it. That's all. That was it. <laughs> yeah. So, and if you think about Uncharted 1, 2, and three all came out on PS3, and then we only got Uncharted Four as a full-fledged title, and then we at, at least got Lost Legacy, which is arguably the best <laughs> from a gameplay standpoint. Uncharted it game. is the best, but Uncharted game, yes. So, and Honest then cast. you know, I mean, it, you <clears throat> could argue that we got four uh, Lost Legacy and The Last of Us Part Two, but that was also if you include The Last of Us, The Last of Us was four titles on PS3 for Naughty Dog versus three at most which is still better than some i mean we got two games from sucker punch yeah though that's actually not that crazy because we only got two games from them on ps3 i would almost (laughs) say you got three games from sucker punch but that would be me being pedantic what is that oh uh, first light that's okay four legends yeah Yeah. legends is an entire first light's very short it's like three hours but kind of like festival of blood which will argue Festival of Blood, I guess, makes three for PlayStation 3. But yeah, I would I say play Legends, Legends is but it looked there. cool. I played yeah. one session. All my friends really liked it and we wanted <laughs> to keep playing it and nobody ever played it again. So, okay. which you know, you lead to the fact that I was going to say that Sony's been moving all in on Ghost of Tsushima with a movie and everything. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and do Ghost of Tsushima for phones. I'm really not kidding. Like, that was one of my first thoughts, too. Is like, would Ghost, like, they're trying to move hard on Ghost. Like, is there a possibility for them to let a team make a Ghost phone game? I still think a, would it be uh, multiplayer like Legends? I mean, I could see that working. I mean, if it's live service, they should do a phone, a phone game. That is resistance in the XCOM format. 
at this point, I'm going to tell you, if if their idea of using phones is to just do what I've been wanting them to do console side, I'll at least be happy because I would like to see another third-person asymmetric kill zone and an XCOM turn-based resistance. Why the hell not? Why True. the hell not? I, I think it would be funny also, if all though, those Sly 5 rumors, it's, it's a mobile game. It's a mobile game? <laughs> Honestly, we'll as long get, as I get uh, to... As long as I get to figure out what happens with Slaft at the end of four, <laughs> maybe we'll get happy. a uh, Babylon's Fall mobile game, a Savage slash Platinum game. <laughs> Sounds moving awesome. on to the next piece of news. Ahead of TGS, <laughs> Konami has renewed the IP for its dormant Suikoden franchise. The company has previously teased a revival of a quote beloved franchise return. So. Very likely to be Suikoden, uh, and that is a very beloved franchise. I've never played any of them, but I know a Neither lot of people I. love them. Yeah. Um, Mr. Oh, Anywhere you want to play except when I'm lying. Damn, dude, you, that's a charged <laughs> piece of news that you wrote here, Chris. It get, I, Phil both Spencer. Sides. It gets to both okay, sides. Hey. Don't yell at me. Okay. I'm just, I just said charged, <laughs> not charged against one side. <laughs> I know, just, just charged. Joking. Uh, Phil Spencer has stated that Microsoft and Sony have signed a deal to keep Call of Duty on PlayStation for, quote, several years past when the current deal with Activision expires. It's certainly an intriguing turn from Spencer since he previously implied there wouldn't be any change at all, while now seeming to no longer promise a lack of change in Call of Duty exclusivity. This comes after comments by Europe's regulatory board, who criticized the deal and worries of the potential of Call of Duty being an exclusive, makes for an unfair and unbalanced field of play for Sony. They worry that while Sony has exclusives uh, rights to Final Fantasy VII Remake, Final Fantasy XVI, Deathloop, Ghostwire Tokyo... <clears throat> Spider-Man and timed exclusivity on titles like KOTOR, also timed exclusivity on Ghostwire and Deathloop, just to throw that out there. Uh, yeah. Making Activision's juggernaut franchises exclusive would be unfair. It's interesting to see if the deal will go through, but it seems more tenuous than expected. Phil himself and Brad Smith, while trying to plead for their deal, indicated that the series and other games from the publisher would continue to make their way onto Sony's console, but never felt the need to indicate how long in their pleas. Which does bring us to a very interesting thing. First and foremost, Phil Spencer and his continuing play wherever you want to play and that continuing to be as long as it's not Sony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Sony's exclusives are bad except for when we want them. Both of these things are kind of being pushed in very interesting ways. But there is a really interesting thing to be said here. And I think that a lot of this comes down to regulatory boards trying to think about how Microsoft can act in the face of going against what they state they're going to do and seeing if, they're, if they want to run that risk. Because while I'm not privy exactly to how this could work, just speaking in, in the mindset, even if Microsoft were to sign a deal with Sony saying that Final, that, uh, sorry, not Final Fantasy, but a deal with Sony saying that Call of Duty will continue to be multi-platform for the next 10 years, Microsoft has so much money that you could arguably, that you could reasonably argue that what happens if they decide to just not go through with the deal? They have enough money to pay for whatever thing is going to happen just to break it off. Then the question becomes how important is it once exclusivity becomes a thing for the Call of Duty series? What's the impact? And I think, um, Phil Spencer even stated um, that Call of Duty 
really only makes sense to purchase as a multi-platform like giant that it is and that it can it, for it to retain the profitability that it has to have to warrant the type of production that those games have you almost have to keep it as this monstrosity that's bigger than gaming itself because otherwise you can't justify the spending so there's a lot of questions kind of wrapped up in this but all this to say there is a chance that it's, it's seeming more and more likely that there's a chance that activision and Microsoft may not merge. There is. Chris, what do you think? Uh, I you wrote know. the news, so clearly you have a lot of opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think in one sense, both sides are being ridiculous because Sony's got no problem buying exclusivity. Hell, they were trying to buy exclusivity on Starfield. Like, Sony's yeah. a bit of a hypocrite, but. I have also, I, I will maintain that buying publishers is entirely different than buying one studio or buying one game, even buying a franchise yeah. of games. You know, me going and saying, I want all of Final Fantasy is not the same as I want all of Bethesda and everything they do. And I don't think either is necessarily wrong. I just, I, I don't like the Bethesda deal because I want to play, I want to get the Platinum in Fallout 5. That's the whole reason I don't like it. I'll, I'll play it on my computer. It's fine don't care but i don't know it does what if i were sony though what i would be doing right now is um some kind of endeavor maybe an initiative of starting a quadruple a studio to make a shooter that's what i would do and <laughs> i would look at someone i would look at gorilla i would look at all these guys and I'd be like, we need your top talent. We need to make a shooter and make it. And then if they ever, t- if they ever take Call of Duty away, you just go, okay, we have, we have, we're fine. We've got a shooter. It's basically Call of Duty. Hire heads of these studios. You know what I mean? Go get Vince Sampella. What's he doing? No, he's he's respawn. What's the other guy's name? Jason Statham. Is that the guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the transporter. Good sir. Calm down. <laughs> That's uh, Shaw? Yeah, that's yeah, Shaw. That's, that's Shaw. Shaw. Uh, but look, all that to say, I agree with you in the sense, but at the same time, do you ever think that Call of Duty has just become like a perpetual motion Jason machine? Jason West. Like, Jason West, okay. But I don't know if that really makes sense, but Call of Duty is just, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy it got so big because of them doing going out of their way to make big, important games at a time when gaming didn't have some of the things they were coming into. But I feel like at this point, the level that the Call of Duty games have to hit, I think is less than they used to because they're so big and people are so excited for them that they know that everyone's going to buy them. People know their friends are going to buy them and play them, and so they need to buy them and play them so they have a... Con- and that's not even to say that the games are bad. I'm, I'm not going there. But point being is that I think the, the reason this is getting so much flack is because how realistic is it that any game could ever get to Call of Duty status? Not to say that there aren't any competition, it's, right? Because we know that Apex and Fortnite and those exist, but our, I guess the real question would be, and I don't know those numbers... What is Fortnite at its biggest versus Call of Duty at its biggest? How what, how close is the divide? Probably not even Did remotely f- close. <laughs> Fortnite's uh, free. 
Like, yeah, and, and that's the well. So is Warzone, and I think that that's why that's a, it's such a good comparison point because I don't, I don't think it's a good comparison point because it's mainline games. Not we're not talking about Warzone yet, but well, Warzone, I mean, Warzone is, is coming. Yeah, to Warzone is coming to PS Five. That's part of the deal. So I think sure. if we're looking in the into the future, we're looking at yeah titles. So I don't know. Well, let's that. look at let's look at Warzone three. Let's look at the next time they decide to revamp it, and if they've cut off the exclusivity deal by then, are they going to keep Warzone free for everybody? They might. I think we they don't would have know to. that. They would have to because I think the purchases, if the purchases transfer, they'd have to. So the only way to do it is to piss off a lot of people by saying, "Oh, your shit doesn't transfer over. Rest in peace. You're gone. See you later." <laughs> yeah, probably. I just, I think that's why I'm saying I would start today on building a studio dedicated to making something. I'm not going to say like a halo killer or whatever, but dedicated to building something to insulate yourself from a call of duty killer. Yeah. Losing call (laughs) of duty because at a certain point it's, you know, people, I swear when you talk about call of duty, all people ever do is get hyped for the new game and then complain. That's all they ever do when they talk about call of duty. So I feel no, what like do you mean you, out of curiosity because because you know I don't really care about Call of Duty to that degree. So no, I, don't, I mean the, I don't the, the new game gets so, announced and, or, mm-hmm. or talked about and people are really excited and the game comes out and immediately it's just talking shit about the game because that's the that's the cycle of Call of Duty. It's the same thing as well, like Marvel cycle movies. Of, it's yeah, it's a all, cycle of huge things. They're gargantuan. Yeah. It's like so, oh, Shang Chi looks really cool. I like this actor. Movie comes out. And it's like <laughs> oh, this movie sucks because it does. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Well, yeah, and it's this thing where it's like the people who are excited for it are the most vocal before it comes out. And then the people who watch it and end up not liking it are going to be more vocal after it's come out. While the people who were excited for it are going to be like, yeah, that, that hit the spot. That was sweet. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just like pockets of when people decide to, to talk the most about it. But I don't know. It's, I'm curious to see where this goes. But I will admit that I honestly thought this would go through with a lot less issues than it is. Not that I'm saying mm-hmm. it should or shouldn't, but I thought that it would, partially because of how, I don't want to say cocky, but confident Xbox has seemed when they See, first announced it and how often they talk about aspects to it where they seem like they're not worried about it until it started actually kind of making waves and people started See, being like, well, what are the impact? And then funny. it started being like, suddenly I feel like Xbox and Microsoft are showing like a, oh, well... Uh, you know, it's funny because I don't think they've ever been confident about it. I actually completely disagree on that point, and I, I see where you're coming from. But I think it all goes back to that it got announced, and then like three days later, they were like, "In advance of scrutiny, this is what our statement is." The second they did that, I was like, "They're not sure this is going to happen." Well, that's sure. why I say feigned confidence. I, I, yeah. I, you're right. I don't think that they were actually confident, but their outward projection of how they wanted to look to people was a stance of confidence. Well, that's fair. And they were never going to be like, oh, we don't fucking know, dog. <laughs> I got no Honestly, fucking clue. You know, you know this sounds bad, but I almost wonder... I almost wonder if it would have helped their case if they were like, hey, look, we're going for this, but we don't know if we're going to get it. Because it puts them in a more sympathetic light. <laughs> yeah. See, but I, I don't think it... I agree, I agree and disagree because I think once you say that, you you open people up to being like, even they know that they're kind of building a monopoly here and we have to shut it That's down. That's true. They have I, to think be it, like, I think it... No, what's the problem with us owning half the gaming industry? What are you talking yeah. about? Bethesda I think it puts them in a more... Duty, games aren't even good. Activision doesn't even make good games. 
we they don't even have a, they don't have any good games. I still can't believe they said that shit. <laughs> I can't believe that, they what, said that. What, <laughs> what a wild sentence. <laughs> We're spending sixty three billion dollars on this company. It doesn't even make good shit, dude. That's actually that fun. was the moment. That was the moment when I realized that Xbox were scared. Like oh, they were yeah. actually like, "Oh, dude, there's a there, the chance of this not going through is getting getting up there." Um, right. It's like eighty percent chance it goes through. For the record, I don't think this is going to fall apart, but it very well could. I yeah, hope I'm it calling doesn't. it like a seventy thirty right now. I hope it doesn't because I don't want to see what annoyed Microsoft does. Like, what is Phil Spencer doing? He's like, "I guess I got sixty three billion more dollars to spend." Hey, Sega, come over here. Oh, Sony, you want Persona? Suck my dick. You know what I mean? Like, Here's the thing, though, right? The, the, there, this is a weird two-way prong. Mm-hmm. If you let Activision go through, and the only way it gets to go through is with a fairly long commitment for multi-platform, then I feel like what you end up with is a situation where once this goes through, Microsoft can't, fee- can't reasonably buy anybody else. I think at this point, now they're like, you got the one. You got Activision. I don't think they could buy publishers, but I think they could buy. Well, let's expound on what you mean by buy. Now, do you mean by games, by studios? By studios. And I wonder, by studios, and I wonder, like, let's say Microsoft is like, listen, we can't buy a publisher again. But then it's like, hey, WB, uh, we'll take NetherRealm. And then six months later... How about Rocksteady? And then six months later, how about TT? And then at a certain point, they haven't bought a publisher. They just bought all the publisher studios. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but I think that they would start running into the same issue. They might get by with one or two. Yeah. But if they kept going in this hypothetical situation, if they oh, kept going, I'm pretty sure regulators would be like, we can see what you're doing. <laughs> right. But at what point <laughs> well, can, can they stop if- it? Because once they shut down a one studio deal, then they have to look stronger at everybody else, right? Like if they're you're right, it, it does set interesting precedent, right? Because Microsoft might like, need we're to not happen. buying a publisher. I, which, dude, with think, how quick things are starting to get eaten up, it might bear some. I think yes, but I also don't think it matters because I think at a certain point, it's kind of like if you pick every flower, like eventually flowers are going to grow back. And I, you know, I think if if they start buying every studio, then okay, each one of these guys has forty studios under their belt. But then eighty studios rise up because Microsoft can't run their studios, and nobody wants to work at the initiative, which is not me talking shit. That's an actual story, or any of that kind of stuff. Where so they just move on, and you have the two dudes who made Call of Duty who are now doing Deviation. You know this kind of stuff, and I think you just keep seeing it proliferate throughout. And some of these places are going to get some of these places. People are going to be retained, you know, and Sony's spending a billion dollars in their Bungie deal to keep employees. Because if you really think about that deal, it's a three point six million dollar purchase. That is actually a two point six million dollar purchase and a one billion dollar of please, for the love of God, don't leave (laughs) like deferred payment. And that's awesome. No, not not deferred. It's like the money's they're paying all the the money's there to stay. It's bonus. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you only get it at the end of you staying the extra time period, sure. if, from what I understood. So it's a, it is deferred payment on their fall on their part. It's like hey, it's it's this much now, and even though the money's gonna be held back, we don't lose it right out of yeah. the get go. Which I don't know why but, they're holding yeah, it back. Just be like, we're gonna pay everyone a hundred thousand dollars more. Good luck at getting a job anywhere else. You know what I mean? Like that's what I would have done. 
Yeah, I don't know. Not really, I don't, I don't know right now. The yeah, hiring market and in, in all the the hiring situation in all markets is very odd, and it's not something I'm I'm abreast enough to really be able to uh, comment on strongly. So that's okay. Um, next thing up, uh, Tencent is not taking over Ubisoft today, but they did buy a forty nine point nine percent stake in Guillermot Brothers Ltd the holding company that does own Ubisoft, the price was about $198 million. Now, there's been a lot of talk about... What, what was the, the thing that came from uh, Jason Schreier where he was talking about EA was looking to potentially sell, right? No, that like was... There was a, there was a, there was a Amazon rumor was that gonna buy them. That Amazon was going to buy them? Yeah. That was not Schreier. That was just a report from, I think it was a Scottish news network that was... Uh, reported in america and it was just entirely made up oh that's right jason said that he hadn't heard from any of his sources that it that's what he he did comment on it but yeah it didn't come from him so so who knows uh i mean ubisoft has been seeming like the most i I know that sounds messed up but of the remaining publishers they seem like the lowest hanging fruit i i just don't know what's what would be ever worth buying off ubisoft Ooh, i get assassin's creed that i ran into the ground and no one has faith in it anymore well, speaking of Assassin's Creed, <laughs> more Ubisoft news as the publisher has had multiple leaks from behind its Berlin wall. <laughs> Good Lord. Apparently, the company is set to announce various entries in Assassin's Creed. Um, Jason Schreier has reported one is codenamed Red and it is set in feudal Japan. The other being Neo slash Hex. Hexa, which is set... Hex. Uh, in the Holy Roman Empire, from what I understand from Shrive's reporting, these games will be playable inside of Assassin's Creed Infinite, the live service title, which, while not announced, is very much public knowledge. These games appear to be separate from the also leaked and then confirmed by Ubisoft Assassin's Creed Mirage, which was first leaked by Colin Moriarty on Sacred Symbols. That game is apparently set in Baghdad, um, which is... It's interesting. It's definitely trying to go back more towards the Assassin's Creed one look and feel. Like everything about it feels like they're trying to be like recapture the magic of Assassin's Creed one, followed by the very likely remake of Assassin's Creed one, reusing the assets of this game. (laughs) I mean, it just seems really simple to be that, though, right? It does. Because like if you have something that already looks kind of like, um, dang, what is where does uh, the first one take place? Um, mm, is Jerusalem Middle I Earth? Feel like Middle Earth? <laughs> Middle Earth. Here, well, Assassin's Creed One setting, um, the Holy Land during okay. the Third Crusade. Shut up! What's next? <laughs> the holy land in 1911 uh, i still the, i still wish what is the holy land hold on because i know Christ. the name and i can't think of it That's i think it's me. uh it's israel um right? no it's not israel holy shit the vatican hold What's on the vatican it's no it says traditionally it's synonymous with both the biblical land of israel and with the region of palestine oh so i uh, i win I'm so right. yeah get out of here yeah but I thought there was a there was History. another thing within it, and I don't know why I can't think of uh, 
but it's fine. I don't know why my, what my brain was trying to go towards, but you already have a look that's pretty similar to that. So taking this new game that is set in a situ in an, an area that's similar enough, then you can be like, all right, now we're going to take all these assets, flip them into an Assassin's Creed one remake that we're going to sell for $70 because the last of us one remake set that precedent. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm kidding. If anything, demon souls remake set that precedent. But at least Demon's Souls was feature complete. If they had removed all the online from Demon's Souls remake, I don't think people would have liked it for 70 either, to be fair. Uh, all I that don't agree with say. that, actually. <laughs> oh, well, uh, let me say this. Whether people liked it or not, I don't know. Whether or not the fans who would be wanting it, you would hear the internet blow people up if the world... T- and don't worry, I hate world tendency. It's stupid. <laughs> and I yeah. will never, ever get the platinum in that game because I'm not going to play... A pure black world tendency, pure white world tendency, and then all the bullshit in between. I love that game, but I don't care that much. But you best believe that some sweat boys who absolutely love that game be like, no world tendency, bullshit. <laughs> when the fuck did we get ice cream? <laughs> I can't summon people. I actually, I'm going to say, I actually think there would be some, uh, some unrest in the community if a remake of Demon's Souls did not have online play and any of the stuff that comes with it. I actually agree. I just don't think it would have been to this level. But what's next? (laughs) Yeah, who knows, man? Uh, Firewall Zero Hour is getting a sequel for the upcoming PSVR 2 in the form of Firewall Ultra, alongside obvious improvements like 4K HDR visuals and enhanced tracking from the new controllers. Uh, There is... The yet-to-be-experienced or explored features like eye tracking, uh, which they say can be used using the cameras to quickly and smartly change between HUD elements and your weapons, which I'd be really curious to see what they're talking about there and whether you would actually use that or if it would be the gimmick. Like, you know, would you actually... Would it become the standard that everyone would switch guns without a physical button just because you track your eye down to the lower left corner? If it works well, then sure, but... That sounds like it's going to work really, really well until you desperately need to switch guns. (laughs) (laughs) Which then becomes the fact that wouldn't that facilitate the need for a backup weapon switch button? And then becomes a point of now it's a gimmick because you didn't even commit to it. You've made sure that there's a way for us to get... You're right, though. In an online shooter, when you run out of ammo in a gun, you need to be able to quickly change to your sidearm. That's very important. So Exactly. Either way, the game will include revamped versions of classic maps and contractors. This takes place five years after the original title, as well as new contractors and maps, which will move from uh, the game will also be moving from a peer to peer hosting setup to a dedicated server, meaning that matchmaking will be much quicker and much more stable and a PVE. So player versus everyone experience that they remain tight lipped on no word on the expected release, but as they did not say so, I wouldn't expect it to be a long launch title or even a launch window title i think this is probably something we'll see a little bit further out much like the original firewall zero hour was to the psvr um it looks awesome the trailer looks really cool but as i told chris it's one of those things where as you're watching it it's like it looks cool and it looks good but at the same time without any context as to what psvr 2 looks or feels or plays or anything like it's like i think it looks cool but if you ask me to explain why it's kind of hard to like put your finger on it 
So, but I'm excited because Firewall Zero Hour is one of my favorite PSVR games. Actually, it's one of my favorite VR games. My only hope now is that there's an updated new aim controller that they come out with because part of what made Firewall Zero Hour feel amazing is playing it with an actual gun that you had in in your shoulder and you could spin around and duck. I think that the immersion is the reason that that was my favorite game. It's also a great game. But Chris, do you ever play Zero Hour at all? No, I didn't. I know you played some VR. I didn't think so. Didn't touch it. Unfortunate. One of these days, you'll be able to play Zero Hour and hopefully with a gun controller. <laughs> yeah, hopefully with you a can gun play, controller. What, what's interesting to me is like Zero Hour, you either played it with a Dual, uh, DualShock 4 or the Aim controller. You couldn't just mm-hmm. play it with Move controllers because a uh, number of reasons, no analog sticks or anything. But there's other games I've played on my Oculus Quest where you have an actual gun and it feels so weird to me holding two controllers just a random distance from each other and pretending like it's in your shoulder. There's something about putting a real stock into your arm and like pushing against it and helps with aiming and stabilization. So I'm curious to see what this does. I have a feeling it probably won't sadly, but I feel like they should. Um, where are you at on PSVR two still right now? Is it, are you a yay or a nay? Price. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. If you had to guess prices, with uh, one thing that we didn't talk about, PlayStation increasing its price by, or maybe we did, but PlayStation increasing its price by uh, fifty dollars in uh, yeah. some regions. What does that make you think for price on this? Because when you think about Oculus, they're also increasing the price by a hundred dollars on Quest units. What's the price of so the Quest now? I think it's. Three ninety nine. Okay, four fifty seems right. I don't think they can be more expensive than the console. So yeah, it moved. Uh, it moved to yeah, three ninety nine. So I still am going to land on four ninety nine. That's currently where my brain's tell. I think that now it's weird though because they didn't increase the price in every market. So would they increase the price of VR2 in the markets where they did go up on PS5 to match? Because my thought is that you do the console at $4.99 and VR at $4.99 or the console without a disk drive at $3.99 and the VR still at $4.99. But that's, it's not like I have a lot to back that off of. It's just it's a, it's a seed in my head. The original VR was $4.99 or $3.99 rather. Um, yeah, I don't... On release right around the same time as the Pro, which was also $3.99, so... You're not wrong. I don't know. I just don't know that it doesn't matter. In my opinion is just that they shouldn't really price it more than the console. I think that's a bad look for any peripheral. I agree there. So I don't that's, see it. That's why being, I think that 500 is the cap. It's definitely the cap, but I just see them trying to be like, it's only 450. You know, it's fine. Undercut it if possible. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I remember when they first talked about it in the feature set. I remember seeing some people be like, oh, it's going to be like $700, $600. I'm like, dude, they're not. There's no way. Now, there's yeah. also no way. It's There's no way. It's. I saw some people saying that they would price it with the Quest, which was originally $299. And I was like, there's no way. <laughs> like, y'all are swinging in two wildly opposite directions. Sony's not going to sell PSVR 2 for $300. This is not. $400? To five hundred, somewhere that being the low and five hundred being four hundred being low, five hundred being the high, 
it's somewhere in that range. 479, 450, 429. Any of that is possible in my head. Though I tend to think that they'll stick with I think that they'll tend to stick with the uh on the fifties. They seem to like that. Like three ninety nine, four forty nine, four ninety nine. I think that that's what they'll do. I agree. I can see it. We'll see. All right, next up, Quantic Dream, the one-time PlayStation exclusive developer, is now owned by Chinese company NetEase. If you didn't see this coming, <clears throat> I don't know you where you've been. Quantic, Dream, <laughs> Quantic Dream's only current known game is Star Wars Eclipse in terms of development. They have also started acting as a publisher for games, but they indicate the, the purchase will allow them to expand the team and work on multiple projects at once. Considering that everything we've seen around uh, Star Wars Eclipse is that the game is not even technically being made yet, um, that's not a good sign. I mean, it may still be a pre-production, but uh, I don't know. And we saw Star Wars Eclipse two years ago now, year and a half ago, one year, when year was year and it? a half maybe? Okay, I I don't know. This is. This is weird because their games are heavily censored in China. <laughs> so it's it December twenty twenty one. Hasn't even been a year yet. Or, well that's good. You know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um yeah. yeah. So let me ask you something. We on this show and I know other shows, Sacred Symbols included, have talked a lot of shit about these Chinese companies. Right? Yeah. But I've been starting to wonder. Given how straight up hostile the CCP is to video games, mm-hmm. does it even matter? Right? Like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Out of curiosity, what like, do you mean? Like the CCP? I'm not has, sure that I understand your question that you're asking. With they've that. banned gaming late nights for people under 18 years old. All this kind of stuff yep. that they're regulating games so hard to the point yep. where I almost wonder if. For Tencent to survive, it needs to become more Americanized. And that is to a lesser degree, I guess. So if the company itself is becoming more Americanized to survive because they know that America, even though they live in China, is their primary way to make money, is it as big a risk as everyone does? If that continues to be the case, then maybe. The thing is, right now, China is still a big market. Um, oh, and it, at, at what point the market ends up shifting so much that China becomes their smallest market, which it's weird. Cause like, you know, a lot of people talked about Sony uh, abandoning Japan in a lot of ways. Right. <laughs> yeah. But the weird reality is that Japan became one of Sony's smallest markets, mm-hmm. not not because there's not enough of a market potential there, because I think the switch and its success there goes to show that you can have a very high market share in your native region but for whatever reason sony kept losing its market and the the people and partially because of no handheld actually that's a big part of it psp and ps vita actually did very well in japan um as handhelds became more predominant over there and less predominant over here for the time until switch kind of reignited handhelds across the the whole board uh and i think steam deck continues to do that right now but point being is you can lose 
your ability to have a strong market in your starting area. So yeah, you could argue that a company like that is trying to seek profitability elsewhere. But the thing that I think matters is that because they're a Chinese company, they're still going to have to limit certain aspects of business <clears throat> they're done with, or at least, okay, let me back up. Because I don't know the exact workings. I can't claim to, but there's that feeling that because of the way that the CCP regulates games, that if a Chinese company that is overseen also by the CCP has dealings with a company like Quantic Dream, then whatever they're working on in the future is going to be subject to regulation and censorship and shooting down certain aspects of game design they would have otherwise seen through because of the fact that China is involved. Sure. And I think that that's the suspicion that the sneaking feeling is that everyone has is that the more that comes into, even if America is their primary market, American <coughs> games that would have otherwise remained uncensored or unchanged from what they were originally intending to make will not happen that way. Which then comes into that really interesting argument that people have over when is the game censored? Because if it's censored, if it's that you didn't, if you never got to make the decision, right? If you never got to put the thing in the game and then have it changed later, are you really being censored? And my thoughts process is that if you're being told you can't do something that you were wanting to do creatively, then you're being censored. Now, that's where I stand on the sense of it. As somebody who's creative, if I was writing a song and someone told me I couldn't write this specific lyric, I would consider that creatively censoring me, regardless of whether it ever sees the light of the day as a product. And then there are some people that I think view censorship as once it reaches product, a life as a product, any changes that happen due to, you know, restrictions or whatever can then be seen as censorship. It's a very multi-layered argument, and it's also very much based on your own values, and it's it's very odd. Yeah, I mean, I'm just curious because I feel like. It may, they may end up at a point where, like, all right, well, screw this. Because for the record, Tencent is not overseen by the CCP. Just everyone who works there is a card carrying CCP member. So, yes and no. You know, Winnie the Pooh isn't staring at their books, but as close as you can to that. Tigger might be, but Winnie the Pooh is not. Yeah, but point being is that it's a company that operates within China, and China is known for being very restrictive and very forceful with their government oversight. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I'll, I'll leave disagree. it at that. I don't so, disagree. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, to wrap up the news, uh, as far as we saw valuable, PlayStation has announced, and you may very likely already know this and be playing some of these games, but we figured we'd do it anyway. PlayStation has announced the PS Plus titles for September. The baseline PS Plus games are Need for Speed Heat. Fantastic game if you've not played it. Of course, assuming you like the style of game. Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, which I'm actually not sure. I know what Grand Blue Fantasy uh, or Grand Blue is. I know they had multiple games in the works. Versus sounds like a fighting game. I believe it is a fighting game. Okay. Uh, And then a game called Toem, uh, which I don't actually know much about. Chris, if you do, feel free to expand on that. It's a photography game that's supposed to be pretty story heavy. I haven't played it. I don't know it, but... Nice. Well, that is for all PS Plus tiers, no matter which one you have. While PS Plus Extra and Premium subs get access to Deathloop, if you haven't played it, Take the opportunity, give it a try. I hope you enjoy it. It's one of my favorite. Is games definitely going to be the it next is my one I switch on. Last year. 
you think? Dude, I hope. I, I hope so. Chris, nothing would excite me more than <laughs> to have you play Deathloop and love it. It's so good. It, I feel Chris, like all... If, Chris, if you play Deathloop, if you download it and you start playing it, I will download it and I will invade you. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I feel like from all I can remember, it's Deathloop, Nier, and The Witcher 3 are games that I've said I've hated that people like. And yeah, I've pretty, tried Witcher pretty, 3 a lot. I will never, have. ever touch Nier again. And I think you've only played Deathloop, Deathloop once, right? Or did you play it twice? No, I, I I played it when it came out. I played a couple hours and didn't enjoy myself, so I moved on. So I thought. Anyway, everyone else, if uh, if you're into immersive sims and first-person shooters, try Deathloop. Is it a perfect game? No, no game is perfect. There's little things that are off about it, just like there's things that are off about The Last of Us. Actually, The Last of Us remake, I went to go aim my gun, and my hands were like turned around in on, my, on themselves, and like, the I gun heard wasn't about even that, in it. I was like, okay, that's weird. And then one of the scenes where uh, you have Sam and Henry, the top left corner just kept like rendering white blocks. So I've actually had, I've had more bugs in The Last of Us Part One than I have, than I had across the entirety of The Last of Us One, The Last of Us One Remastered, and The Last of Us Two. Sounds about right. <laughs> Which is kind of interesting. Definitely, when you hear about the the way that that game kind of moved studios, and apparently there's strong rumors that Sony San Diego were involved mm-hmm. at one point after yeah. the visual arts group got okay. shut down. Uh, and Wasn't then it, it got passed back to no Ben was apparently helping work on the multiplayer uh, for the last of us before they said that they wanted to not do that. <laughs> got it. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically this game has gotten passed around a bunch of times. So I'm not surprised in some ways. But in other ways, I, I am, <laughs> you know, like it's still at the end of the day, you're you're saying it's a Naughty Dog game and that comes with a certain expectation. <laughs> I would agree. So which is mostly hit that expectation. So I'm not crapping on it. Uh, point being, Deathloop's great. Please play it. Uh, Ubisoft adds more of its titles with AC Origins, Watch Dogs 2. Um, they also added uh, Rayman Legends, Rabbids, a bunch of games like that for their part of that, which is like their Ubisoft classics or whatever. Uh, Dragon Ball Universe 2 is there. Spirit Fairer, Farewell Edition. Excellent game. I suggest it. I think Chris would agree with that. I would agree. Spirit um, Fair is great. Chicory, A Colorful Tale, also looked really cute, but I never wanted to spend enough that much money on the off chance I didn't enjoy it, so now I don't have to. Also, apparently Chris owned it already because Chris owns... Honestly, anytime I want to play a game, I should just go, Chris, do you have this? Because the chances of you having it, it's 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 over half. It's like a 60-40 at this point. I would almost put it at 70, but yeah, it's bad. <laughs> it's bad. But There's you know 840 what, Chris, games okay. on my account. So, Chris, are you, you excited for Monster Energy Supercross 5? It's um, available on there. I, ca- I can't wait to play Monster Energy and Supercross 5. A couple of others. Uh, lastly, the premium tier gets Siphon Filter 2 complete with trophies and a platinum, much like Siphon Filter yeah. 1. The Sly Collection, now just to specify, this is the PS3 remaster, so that means you can only play these through streaming via PS Now or whatever you want to call it now. Uh, Sly Cooper Thieves in Time, also PS3, only available through streaming. Excellent game. Controversial opinion. A lot of people who are de- de- diehard fans think it's not great. I think it's a great game. Toy Story 3's PSP, release is on there and kingdom of paradise also a psp game uh are added 
growing PlayStation Plus's classics game section little by little. And I mean little by little. I feel like they have done far too little with the classics so far. Yeah, if they were going to drift feed it like this, they should have had a big drop at the beginning. And that was and it. then drip bed. I agree. It's like oh, the fact that the fact it was like four games, game. like well, it's like eight games day one, and then you're just like, ooh, look, <laughs> look, there's a rumor of another game. Oh, now you know what's uh, this has been something that uh, Blake brought up, and I think it's actually a good point. Uh, I think that they the adding a slot collection is fine for people who want to stream a PS3 game, right? That's fine. But since streaming is such a vastly different experience for everyone, I think ideally they should have also included the original PS2 versions of Sly Cooper 1, 2, and 3 so that if you wanted a, if you wanted a version that you could download and play natively on your PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5, you could. But you couldn't. And it's, I, a, it's more work. But how? That's, so they that's have, a, they'd have to port it. It's inherently more like, work than just turning a switch. And being and making it streamable. Oh, I mean, I, I guess for PS5 though, from what it seems like, there's just straight up PS2 emulation. I don't necessarily know how that works for PS4 games because are the PS4 versions because aren't all PS2 games also playable on? Are, yeah. No, they're not. No, they're not. What do you mean? Well, I guess what the you, ones you that asking? are on the service have basically are the PS2 games uh, that are. Are there any even any PS2 games in the classic collection that are new that weren't originally no. re remade or whatever you want to call it uh, enhanced for PS4? I don't believe so, and that's my point. Then maybe that's, that's the reason to, why. Yeah, to Blake, it's a port. They'd have to do work, and yeah. while I would appreciate the work, they're not. They don't. Why would they when they can just be like, bloop, 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 streaming time? Like, there's no. Yeah, where I guess Siphon Filter... Now, Siphon Filter 1 and 2 still got work on them, but probably far easier because it's just... You know, it, it, I don't, it, it depends on the amount of work that goes into making the PS2 versions run on PS4 and PS5. It's The, the thing is, like Sony shut down the Vita store or tried to shut down the Vita store and the PS3 store over a couple hundred thousand dollars. So I'm sure a port, even if it costs 500 grand to do all three of these games... Why would they look at it and go, yeah, we could pay 500 grand for a better experience, or yeah. we can give them a fine experience for free? Let's go with free, <laughs> or at least for no more cost than what we already have to run because of the way our system's right. Up. We just gotta, uh, pop, the one piece we gotta of news, buy it off eBay and pop it into a PS3. That's it, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I just, I'm still at this point where I'm trying to determine what. <laughs> what do I want to renew at? Because my renewal is like in two weeks. And I don't currently see a reason to be on premium, but for like the seven dollars a the seven dollar difference, whatever it is, it kind of just feels year. like it's better to keep it at ultimate because I pay for it a year at a time anyway. I think um, the thing with premium is, and maybe this is me being optimistic, which I'm usually not about Sony. I feel like eventually there's going to be something that's going to be like, oh, I wish I had premium right now. Well, Even then, if it's at, like what, at what point or, should it? My question eventually becomes like, at that point, does it make more sense to just go down and then eventually go back up whenever they finally release the thing? Or it'd be better to go ahead and spend a little bit more money and have it in my back pocket, you know? Are you, because that's the question of that's to me, the $7 I would save is worth paying to never have to think about the subscription again. 
Yeah, and that's actually it's, kind of how I've normally operated. Yeah. Uh, it was the why same, do you think I've, I've had PS Now for three years? I've barely even used it. Never, never in the grand it. scheme. You know what I mean? Right. But I've had it, and my because was, I knew if I ever wanted to, I could, and I and I did with a few games. Right. It was like I would always say when we would talk about it before it came out, and I accidentally let it resub for a year. I was like, I'm just going to pay it by month. Like it's more expensive overall, but I'd rather pay twenty dollars once a month than. $120 once a year. I know that doesn't make sense, but that's just it's just easier for me. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy to me, but more power to you. Anyway, I said I was wrapping it up. Not, but there's, yeah, I got you. There's a piece of news I skipped. Uh, I'm pretty oh, sure Chris, boy. you can tell me. Did I, I don't think I talked about Cyberpunk, right? No, you did not. Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, well, Cyberpunk 2077 takes the center stage again as they announce Phantom Liberty, a new DLC for the beleaguered title that aims to drop last-gen support and will be releasing for PC and current-gen consoles only. The DLC will see Keanu Reeves return to the role of Johnny Silverhand as V remains the main character in which he pledge an oath to the United States, the new United States of America. Uh, on the heels of this, CD Projekt Red announced that patch 1.6 will be the last major update for for last-gen consoles, with current-gen consoles and PC becoming the focus from here on out. So a couple things to unpack there. We're kind of in this weird state that I feared some games would end up being in, and we saw it with Destiny, um, Destiny 1 uh, as well, where you get to a point where you kind of have to drop previous-gen support. And at what point should a game, definitely one as... (laughs) controversial as cyberpunk ended up being uh at what point should they have just been like right been like guys we're just not releasing the last gen versions at all six years ago i mean i agree but (laughs) if you which i guess it's you know it's hindsight right they know that they fucked up and they have the information to know that well maybe we really shouldn't have done this we've had to spend so much dev time and resources and it cost us a lot of our uh good you know, good faith we had built up with our player base. If we could have gone back and not released it on previous gen consoles, I bet you they would have undone that if they could. Oh, without a doubt. But you have that weird in between that happens with a few games where it's like, at what point is it reasonable to drop last gen consoles? And in my opinion, I think now is fine, but I haven't really looked online today. I wonder if there's been any flack on them for, not supporting previous gen consoles with this because of the original promise of the game being cross gen or if everyone hopefully is in the position of thinking it's ultimately better that the game doesn't have to get weighed down by old tech um i mean i definitely think it's better that the game doesn't have to be weighed down so yeah, it's interesting. Uh, did you end up watching the trailer um, b- before we started recording? I know that we oh, had talked. Oh no, to, I did not. I have time. It's it's pretty interesting because you do end up hearing uh, a little line of dialogue from Johnny Silverhand, which I think implies that this is one of those like Bloodborne, the old Hunter style DLCs, where technically it's taking place in the middle of the actual story. Which, if it is kind of doesn't make sense because a lot of games do this right it's like this game the entire point of this game is that you're running on borrowed time should you yeah. really be stopping in the middle of your story that is about you slowly deteriorating and being like but bro i gotta go sign up for uh to enlist in the new united states of america <laughs> 
<laughs> I hope um, that uh, you become the president and it's just Saints Row 4. Oh, the whip oh, looks man. sick. Doesn't it, though? It does. Dude, dude the trailer looks awesome. <laughs> I'm really excited. Speaking of that, there's also a cyberpunk TV or animated series coming to Netflix, which looks excellent. I don't know if you saw the trailer or not, but it looks cool. The si- the uh, Edge Runners? Yeah. Edge Runners looks fucking dope. It looks so cool. <laughs> so sick. So my hope is that they... My hope is that Cyberpunk can eventually turn around to be the next No Man's Sky. We say that a lot, right? I think every game that ends up eventually like shit in the bed at, at launch can have its redemption moment. The reality is, is that you're only going to get one of those every few years. And it's right about time where Cyberpunk, if it plays its cards right, might be able to do it. Might. Yeah. In terms I of... I would uh, really hate for the whole Cyberpunk series to be gone just because of them bungling the launch of this one because what's there is fantastic and if they can make a sequel and have the things that were great great about this one but then fix all the things that weren't so great i think you have a a really strong basis for a follow-up because i mean like the witcher one is not nearly as good as witcher two and witcher two is honestly not as good as witcher three because they got to build and build and build so hopefully they get to do that again here but uh what were you gonna say chris um, in terms of when it takes place, I almost wonder if it's more of a it takes place after the game. But you remember, you remember, remember Arkham Knight, <laughs> like something like that would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm not surprised that they're pulling Johnny in because he was clearly a favorite of everyone who played the game. He's and I, I fucking dope. love Johnny. He's he's great. He's amazing. I also uh, straight up don't remember how that game ends because I I have oh, to play it again. Really? So. Wild. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about playing it again anyway. Which, oh man, go ahead, Chris. I want to. I'm thinking about something, but go ahead. I, I don't know. I don't want to spoil it. I just don't remember if because I know there's three endings because you need them for the trophies. So, and I only have played one. Yeah, okay, you don't have the platinum, huh? No, I don't. Sucker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the fact <laughs> I've been intending to replay Cyberpunk for a while. So far, so much so that the, the disc is still in my PS5 and has been um, <laughs> for months. But the problem that I have, which I can't believe they haven't found a way to fix, but I kind of get it's a, it's a problem because you end up shutting down something the other way. But every time I turn my PlayStation 4 or 5 on, it starts trying to install the PS4 version, which I don't need mm-hmm. because I did the upgrade of the PS5 version. But because the disc is in there, the PS5 version still installed, but then it installs the PS4 version every single time. And part of me wishes that you could just tell it not to, but I guess the issue becomes if you ever need to download the PS4 version for a reason or to play the PS4 version, what do they do to make it to where you can trigger it back to where it tries well, I'm to install sure you it could again? just go into the store and have it download from there. But I there's a solution. There's going to be something because it's, it's annoying as hell. There's and a, it kind of does make, you know, the whole thing about smart delivery versus what they were saying was dumb delivery. Yeah. This actually, in some ways, the, the, the benefits of it are that you can play the PS4 version or the PS5 version. The downside to a smart delivery is that it just plays whichever ones for your console. So even if you're playing the Series S version, but it's actually the worst version, but, you, but it could play the 1X version through back compatibility and do better. You can't tell it to do that. It's just going to force itself to play a certain way. But go ahead. What were you going to say? I don't. I think there's a solution to your problem. I don't know what it is because I don't know how I did it. But MLB does not try to install itself unless I put the disc in. 
So as a game that's been in my console since launch, basically, it does not try to install the PS4 version anymore. It used to, but every time I would put it in, me, it would try well, and launch it. But well, here's the thing: is it my disc is in there because I keep thinking whenever I decide to play Cyberpunk, I'll have to have the disc in there for it to do its uh, its check to make you sure you will that have I, to do that. No, okay. First off, I bought it digitally. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, you did, didn't you? Yeah. I didn't know you did. I thought you returned your copy. I didn't. I bought it again, like I said I would. <laughs> I didn't know that. Dude, oh, yeah. I have two copies of the game. I have one that's still wrapped up in my completely sealed collector's edition and yeah. one that I got with a steel book for $5 at Best Buy. Right. It was like, <laughs> so, no, because I, I returned it and I got full price and I was like, I found it, I saw it for 30 and I was like, screw it. Because I remember telling the story where I, I went through to just kind of see what would happen. There was... It was one button press, and they had returned it. So I was like, "Okay, which is crazy." It was insane to me. That's so. Insane. Then it, once it was Either on way. sale, I was like, "All right, so I have it." Just okay. Well, it. I feel well. I may just do that because at that point, do I have the license, and then I can delete the PS4 version once it checks? I don't know. I have to figure that one out. Uh, but yeah, I think Cyberpunk. Um, I think this looks awesome, Phantom Liberty, and I know that. <laughs> I'm I'm actually going to go out of my way to try and play this because I understand that I'm saying that this looks awesome and this is coming from the person who thought that both Blood and Wine and the other DLC for The Witcher looked excellent and I've never played either of them because (laughs) I beat The Witcher 3 and I've never gone back to it. I've been waiting to play those for whenever I inevitably replay The Witcher 3 when the next-gen update comes out. But that keeps getting delayed. (laughs) So... But this looks awesome. Cyberpunk was a, was a great game, but it had issues, and I had issues. So my hope is that I'm excited to play this because maybe I get another, I get another first impression of a cyberpunk thing, you know. That's still this game. If this game comes out without any of the bugs and it just runs like it's supposed to and works how it's supposed to, great, great. We'll see. Uh, that said, Chris, I think that this leads us to the conversation that you wanted us to shirk down uh, to the end of the episode, which is yeah, at what it, point is it at what point at how soon is too soon if there even is a too soon for a remake? And you, you definitely seem to have a pretty strong opinion on that. So let's have at thee. When is it too soon or why is it? Why is there no too soon for a remake? There is no too soon. Yeah. But there is decorum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This is an interesting right. argument already. Continue, please. Well, okay. If Platinum... No. Okay. You want to hear a very good example of a game that got remade after one year? And I'm being sure. not hyper-specific on the timing. Uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, it was actually like four years, but yes, go ahead. F- fuck off. I was not being specific about the timing. I'm just joking. But Okay, so well, well let, let me... Okay, because I'm curious as to what you say to this. Yeah. Big difference here being anyone who bought Final Fantasy XIV, right? Sure. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that you're saying anything, but I want for anyone listening who may not be aware to know, and then I want to see what you're side of that is and how it pertains to the last of us part one and how it's been handled but anybody who bought final fantasy 14 when it originally launched i worked at gamestop i remember originally launching Mm -hmm. um 
once they decided that they were going to go back to the drawing board with it, if you bought the game, you got to play it in perpetuity without having to pay membership, if I remember, uh, which was in stark contrast. The game was supposed to be $15 a month, but they didn't make you pay it. You just got to play. Um, until they finally had a Realm Reborn ready. And then when they did have a Realm Reborn ready, you didn't have to rebuy a Realm Reborn. If you owned it, they already gave it to you. And But you just had to start paying membership again. So in that sense, you didn't have to repay for something you already had that got remade, even though it did ultimately get remade. It's a good argu- It's a good example of a game that got remade, but it's also a good example of the argument about... Or it's a good example of it not having the monetary part behind the last of us remake that is the point of contention because i think well everyone would agree that there wouldn't even be a conversation about price in the last of us remake if it was like a 40 dollar game i don't think anyone would have ever even brought it up but go ahead have at the with the uh with your uh, your my my response to that is very quick and it is decorum (laughs) so what do you mean by decorum there's there, I feel or, like there are what do you levels mean, to this shit. What do you mean by decorum insofar as how it matters to The Last of Us? Because are you saying that you think the way The Last of Us did it is right with the decorum that they chose? Or do you think that it could have been better if they used a, a, a little bit more decorum around it? I think... Or if that's not even the conversation you want to have. If well, you want to not, keep it strict to remakes, I'm okay with that. But I guess at this point, just to, yeah, explain what you mean by decorum. And then the, maybe that fills in the blanks for everything else. I think in terms of The Last of Us, and maybe this is a weird take, but the decorum is fulfilled because Sony has told you every game we release is $70. And bring up some, you can bring up Miles Morales, but if it hadn't been when it was, that game would be $70. It would be. If it was coming out now, $70 game, 100%. 100%. So, you know, I don't... That was the last example, and I don't think we're going to see games for less than that from Sony First Party, unless it's something like... Um, what's the painting game? Uh, oh. Pixel um, Opus. Yeah, you, Concrete Genie. Yeah. yeah so Concrete unless Genie. it's something like that... Great I think we're, you're paying $70. And I think The Last of Us, no matter how, how old, you know, it's what, how old is it? 10 years, 2013? So nine, nine. years? Yeah, it's nine years. Mm-hmm. That's an entire two console generations. And I don't think comparing this to The Last of Us Remastered is the same. These it's, games are <laughs> clearly two completely different things. They are. I'll give you that. And one of uh, them is specifically significantly better. So just because I think. This is my other thing. I even at seventy dollars, I don't think they would have gotten as much flack if they didn't if they had included uh, factions. And part of the reason I think it's interesting that they didn't is strictly from the standpoint that we know that the factions you don't you don't have to rebalance factions. Factions already works. People loved it the way it was. All you have to do is give it all the the pre, you know you have to give it new um, textures and geometry and new character models within it and stuff, which I'm not saying is no work. It is still a decent bit of work. But I think right now when you're in a position where we're still talking about seemingly maybe a year away from the last of us factions that they're coming out with as a standalone big title, I think that it would have made the $70 feel more worth it. And I think it would have also served the purpose of filling in for the fact that we don't have a factions right now when people expected that with the last of us Two and then lost it. 
I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think that I it would have been an interesting PR choice to be like, hey, Factions is here. We've done nothing to it besides give you the new, you know, textures, character models, and geometry. But the game plays and feels exact same. We didn't balance anything. There's no new mechanics, no anything. It's just the Factions you've always loved with a new coat of paint. I agree. Um, no, actually, I don't agree. I'm sorry. I don't. <sighs> well, I mean, they're zip, making why? factions. They're already making yeah, factions. Sure. Why would it come out with? Why would it? They do the old factions again? Well, because people are—they already know people like it, and it's a good holdover. As and also just a sign of we know it's seventy dollars. This helps that that sure. this helps bridge the fact that people are worried about the price. And don't worry, me and you played factions the other day on oh, not the other day, not it was a while months, ago, on bro. remastered, <laughs> uh, and uh, it was great. It was I had fun. a good time. I would be playing it right now if, first of all, because slightly more active lobby uh, with the remake coming out, I'd be playing it, and I would probably play it for the next month or two. Uh, just because, and it would be a nice holdover and it would get me excited for the new factions. I think it would serve enough purpose, at least for me. Well, I also to, wonder to if see that the new factions is going to be nothing like the old factions. So, why would they confuse you when they release the last of us factions and Maybe. it's completely different? Not yeah, to mention to the entire argument of value being lost is null and void because Left Behind is there, and Left Behind was not in the original package. So, but it was in remastered for sixty dollars, which is what people are comparing it to. Yeah, I don't. Still, <laughs> so the, the Last of Us remastered, you got a better looking, better running version of the base game, a better looking, better running version of Left Behind, a better looking, better running version of Factions. All for the you're same not, price as wrong. the original. I'm, again, I and actually, disagree. I don't. I don't know if you remember this. There was actually some controversy at the time about the price of the Rest of Us Remastered, uh, not nearly as big as this. And Sony had it to where if you bought the Last of Us um, on PS3 digitally, that you got like ten dollars off of the PS4 remaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have even been twenty. I can't remember because I didn't buy it digitally. Um, but. Yeah, point being is that there were they did do things to help be like, we know you've already bought it, and if you want to play the better version of it, at least here's a discount. Um, which that also might have been interesting. If they for any care for any person that had The Last of Us remastered in their thing, they gave a ten dollar discount just as a show of PR. Again, nothing they should have. I think it would have been interesting to see how it impacted what people done, but the problem is you run the which they already did once with Horizon. You run the the potential danger of setting a precedent that your customer base could just run over you. Which there's there's an argument to be made that Sony should never do anything except what they originally say because they don't want to ever reach a point where their customers can just completely run over them and yeah. make them do anything they want. And not because it's not good that sometimes customers can impact change and affect stuff that's going on. But as we kind of saw happen with the Sonic movie, people get a little too big-headed, and then they start thinking that every little thing they don't like should have an online movement and a change. And as much as I like Zack Snyder's Justice League, arguably it set the tone for what I like to see, uh, David Ayer's original cut of Suicide Squad, just out of curiosity? Absolutely. 
Do I think that you should absolutely demand that they do it and then they actually have to turn around and do it? No, because WB can do whatever they want. I mean, it's, that's the point. The, per, the purpose of a company is for you to determine if the value proposition that they're giving you is enough for you to take that dive. And if it's not, then you just don't participate or you participate when the value proposition meets your expected buy-in point. Mm-hmm. And there's as much as I am willing to talk about things I think could have been done better and may have helped their... Um, you know, the perception around things. Ultimately, there's benefits to Sony not just uh, immediately relenting to fan outcry. Definitely when a lot of it's just happening on podcasts. I know that that's technically us too, but sometimes it's happening on podcasts for nothing more than driving clicks and creating controversy to get listens and then abandon the topic and never worry about it again. Some of it's just that gamers and the market and it definitely at least the social media sphere has a short attention span and the moment that something else happens that they want to cry about this is going to be left in the dust and no one's going to care again yeah i think part of it is that part of it is that there's nothing going on in the news which you realistically like we had a long news section but it, there was not a lot of news for two weeks like that yeah. was what six items and <clears throat> i don't it's hard because I've seen so many conversations about The Last of Us remastered that I think are just stupid. You know, like people remastered are like, or part one, just to part clarify. One. Sorry, gotcha. And pe- people are up in arms about price, and it ha- you. I keep saying this, and I sound like I'm sucking Sony's dick at all times, but you have to just get over it. <laughs> and you do. It's the same thing with Xbox, though. Like you have to just get over the price. This is a luxury hobby. Everything around me. To support my hobby is a luxury. So why are you whining about a luxury? Let's put this in extreme terms, right? If Elon Musk on Twitter was like, oh, I have to get my Lamborghini seats reupholstered. And because it's specifically Lamborghini, it's $100,000. There's not a single person who would feel bad for Elon Musk. So now we have to bring it all the way back down. To where we're at, and we go, oh, this game on my five hundred dollar console on my five hundred dollar TV, you know, is is it's. I wish it was ten dollars cheaper. Do you see how dumb that sounds? <laughs> <laughs> you see how dumb that sounds, and it's not to say that games shouldn't be priced better, because I I would have preferred to pay fifty dollars for The Last of Us Part One. But they're charging you $70 for what everyone can acknowledge is one of the best stories of all time. Just for the record, for anyone listening, our Zencaster just shut down. So I'm trying to, if I repeat myself, that's why. But the prices of a luxury hobby are just what they are. And I know that's that sucks. The game should be could be priced better. But at the same time, like Sony is putting hundreds of millions of dollars into their games. As someone who shit talked Red Dead forever, Red Dead's probably <laughs> Red Dead's probably a two hundred dollar video game, right? Like if you it, you would not get me to buy Red Dead for two hundred dollars, right? Me personally wouldn't do it. Yeah, but if you, if I finish when I finish Red Dead, even where I'm at right now, and you were like, yeah, I think we should have charged two hundred dollars for that, I'd be like, yeah, you probably should have, <laughs> or at least you probably could have. Yeah, yeah, which leads but to a really interesting thing. thing. It's worth, right? We've had this conversation. Red yeah. Dead is worth. We have 
two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars to and the right person. To, exactly to the right person. Realistically, though, yeah. just looking at the content that's in there compared to the Last of Us Part One. Oh, at sixty dollars worth yeah. being the same price? No, probably not. Yeah, and the, and the Last of Us Part One's ten dollars more. Exactly. Right. For twelve exactly. to fifteen hours of gameplay, which is not a bad thing, right? No. This goes back to worth and time of content is such an interesting topic. And I'm surprised that so many games have gotten hit in both sides of it. You know, for every the order, there's Assassin's Creed uh, Odyssey, a game mm-hmm. that a lot of people talked about being too bloated, having too Absolutely. much to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have the inverse of that, which is a game like the order where people feel like, well, it wasn't as long as I wanted it to be. And they both came out at the exact same price range. Um, and it's like, you're damned if you do damned if you don't, because it's such a personal valuation that some people some people love playing something that feels like they can get through it in eight, eight hours, 10 hours, whatever it be. And then some people want something that feels like it never ends. And it's just you're reaching different parts of a market and you're having people make certain things fail by overly complaining about aspects of something that someone else views as a positive. It's a really weird, interesting thing. Love you, Kyrie. Good night, baby. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I got a kid <laughs> who loves me. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, good night, Kyrie. Um, I'll let no, him know. I don't, please do, because I forgot the pictures. I still feel bad. Um, <laughs> Dude, she was so <laughs> mad at you. That was a very interesting. Like It was like a week and a half. Was and then she really? saw them like then she saw them like two months later, and she was like, it, it like reignited in her. Like, I can't believe <laughs> You just send them to me, and I'll I'll frame them all, and then she can not be mad at me anymore. It's it's okay, man. One of these days we'll have you back down here. Yeah, be all right. And the first thing I'll do is apologize. But (laughs) I just think that price is a reality of the the uh, hobby that we've chosen. I've said it before, Mm -hmm. but it costs zero dollars to go on a hike. Like it costs zero dollars to go. Well, not zero dollars, but once you have the equipment, it costs zero dollars to go play baseball. You know what I mean? Like there are hobbies. Again, it sounds really bad, but there are hobbies if you can't afford this one. And nobody listening to the show oh, can't true. afford video games. Yeah, it's just a matter of you have to be a savvy consumer, right? Like that's all it is. I, I have so many games on my account because I look at the sales of every every week. Every time there's a sale, I go through it multiple times. And if Dude, something's a couple wild. bucks, I'm like, screw it. I'll throw it on there. You don't have to spend $70 on The Last of Us because Black Friday, that game's going to be 40 bucks. Like, Dude, you can spend... The, the real crazy thing is that if you're willing to be savvy and patient and not feel mm-hmm. like you deserve to have something that's brand new that you get to be in the moment and have discussions about for a price point that you think is more fair, which I get. I'm not saying that your opinion doesn't matter, but the grand no. th- grand scheme of things, you're wanting discount pricing while you also want to be able to not experience FOMO. And those two things are going to clash. And I, honestly speaking, if, if every year... You only spent $60 on games, but you waited and shopped on sales and looked at for things that you knew that you had a high chance of liking and bought. You could probably buy enough games to fill up your entire year mm-hmm. for $60. Absolutely. You could buy Red Dead once. 
Like <laughs> <laughs> again, and it matters to the type of game gamer you are and whatnot. But yeah, you can catch, dude. You can catch Cyberpunk on sale for twenty dollars. Red Dead Redemption Two on sale for thirty dollars. Skyrim Special Edition on sale for like twenty again, and you have spent. $70, same price as The Last of Us 1, and you can play those games the entire year. <laughs> Not for nothing. The entire year. I played Apex for three years straight. And it's free. And it's $0. Yeah. The conversation about price is... It's a reasonable conversation that is incredibly selfish. Yeah, it is. I'm, you're right. It, There's it, it no reason is. that you feel... Oh, this is too expensive for my taste. Okay, then don't you know, it's, fucking buy it on day one, dog. Like, just what's stop. really crazy is I feel so disconnected from where I used to really feel like my I valued my purchasing power more because it was my money. Now it's just my reward points that I'm not going to use on anything right. else. So it's kind of like a. It's reward points that I get for spending money I'm already going to spend on something. Mm-hmm. So this is like a free purchase for me. Yeah. And for me, I, I, was, I have such a hard time actually having a strong critique that I care and, and am super passionate about at the realistically because my money is not on the line. Right. And, dude, and I didn't but, even buy dude. I didn't even spend my own money on my PlayStation five. I got <laughs> my PlayStation five worth reward points. Yeah, and then you got one for free from Burger King, and I sold that one for right. to solve for exactly what I for what I would have bought one for. So if anything, I'm up like five hundred dollars as a gin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> so I I just I understand that I'm coming from such a weirdly privileged position within gaming because. I don't have literally every game that releases. I have enough reward points to just buy for without having to dig into my own pockets. I just don't want to. And that's the thing (laughs) for me. I do spend my money. And the thing is, I would like to make clear to anyone who listens to this podcast. I'm not rich. I'm irresponsible, but (laughs) (laughs) just to be clear on that. Okay. Cause if he was rich, he would just spend the 120 a year for PlayStation plus. (laughs) Well, that's the problem is I did spend the fucking 120. Uh, but the thing is, like, I know the hobby I chose. I don't yeah. I don't collect yeah. guns like my brother. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... My, my other brother collects flashlights. Like, I don't collect those things. I collect fucking video games. So when my brother comes down here and sees a ridiculous stack of PS3 games that he and I both know I'm never going to touch... he doesn't say shit to me because then I go over to his house and I go oh what are you doing with six silencers he's like oh they look cool okay then shut the fuck up about my games and then we've never had the conversation again you know what I mean like but that's the thing I know what I chose yeah so I think we have to take a look at what we're doing I can't stand that there are people whining that price should be in reviews or whining that the price is too high when they're sitting in front of their $500 console. And the reality is, what do you want to say? 60% of those people paid more than $500 for their console. Yeah. 60% of the people who are playing on PS5 right now paid what? $750,000 for their console. And then you're going to whine to me about $70. 
You you gave a, hack, <laughs> a, a scalper four hundred dollars more than retail, and you're you're upset about seventy bucks. It's the Elon Musk upholster upholster seats. I'm going to use that forever because I like that example. But that's what <laughs> complaining about prices. It's a good example. But yeah, I, you know, it's it's such a weird position to be in. But you're at the end of the day, you're right. I mean. You're going to spend what you're comfortable spending. And I think that people who want price and reviews and stuff, we've had a system that's worked in this way already. Price is not the, the thing to look at. It's replay value. And I think replay value is the closest thing to worrying about price because you already know the price. You can look at a mm-hmm. game and see how much it is. Whether or not you think that game is worth that money, the closest that any reviewer can tell you is how much they felt the game had from a replay value. Because replay value does get... You know, when you buy a $27 Blu-ray when a movie comes out, it's most likely not because you intend on... Even if you only do, it's, you don't intend on watching it once. You, in, you anticipate that you can watch it four times. And therefore, that four times you watched it, suddenly that $27 was better watching it four times with two to three people each time than the than the twenty thirty dollars that you would have to spend to take the same amount of people to the movie four times. Right. And that's the the value playoff. So when you buy a game you think, well, you know, if I already know you have to be able to make that decision whether you think the game is going to be worth it for your first and only playthrough. But the reviewer can at least give you some headroom as to what they think is a reasonable position of how replayable is it. Because maybe if you don't feel like you got your money out of the first playthrough, maybe you'll feel like you got your money because it's easy and rewarding to play it multiple times. So Even then, I don't even know that I would even say that I think that's even a fair... Because if I was going to review something, it would just be, is it good? I agree in the ultimate that was that's just an aspect you know that's just an extra aspect of hey even if it's great I just personally don't view it as very replayable well, but that's just the so thing. you have the, that information the but last right. of us has no replay value there's zero replay value to the last of us well actually in the part one there actually is permadeath speed run all sorts of stuff that's it's, not what I that's not what I mean necessarily. you're not wrong but what I mean is when you do that you're still playing the exact same game well that's what the replay exact, value is yeah no, no, not really. Compare the replay value of The Last of Us to Fallout 3, where you can have 20 different playthroughs of Fallout 3. You have one playthrough of The Last of Us, well, and you're that's still going to do the same scale. It's a It's linear, though. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying... I, I get it, but like... I'm not saying there's not reasons you to go argue, back in. But I understand you, that, but like, uh, people would argue replay value is one of the biggest things about Resident Evil. And a big reason that people didn't seem to mind that Resident Evil 8 is only like an 8-hour game, apparently. 8 to 10 hours, whatever yeah, it was, is because apparently it's incredible. There's a huge thing about around speed runs and alternate builds and running through the exact same game in a slightly different manner. And that's a staple of that series at this point. So while I sure. understand what you mean, yeah, there are games that really push replayability to a crazy limit. There's ones that do it in much well, smaller they, ways. Then there you go. That's why replay value isn't a value of part of a, a review because I would look at a, I would write a review for The Last of Us 2 and say there's absolutely no replay value. Or you <laughs> yeah. would look at me and say, well, I can play in permadeath mode. And I'd say, cool, you're still playing the same shit. You just can't die anymore. Like that, that's the what I what I'm saying, right? Like it's not yeah. even Resident Evil. Like my last playthrough Resident Evil was a lot of fun because I had an unlimited rocket launcher and an unlimited Magnum. That's completely mm-hmm. that's a different experience, you know. Yeah. In the end, you're still taking cover in the same spots, and that brick is still in the same place when you're playing The Last mm-hmm. of Us. 
That's, Actually, that's where I, I know it's a side I point. Knew I knew you were going to fucking say this shit. <laughs> I would have really liked for The Last of Us part, even though I'm not that person, I think having a remix mode would have been really cool. That would have placement cool. changed, item placements changed. Yeah. Dude, I, mirror I f- mode. Yeah. Where's Fat Joel? <laughs> Why can't I play as Donut Drake? Do- in, Donut Joel? Yeah. In Last of Us uh, 2. <laughs> I don't know. What a it's, fun relic of the PS3 era. Which they will never do that again. Um, never. No shot. As a fat person, please do it. But, but they'll have Abby getting railed. Ugh, <laughs> they could have at least made that scene hot. Anyway. Um, <laughs> she looks like she's taking an uncomfortable poop. <laughs> she, she should have been pegging him. The, um, that, that actually would have made that scene far more memorable. Oh, 100%. It's his face. <laughs> it's the same facial expressions, but it's his face. She's using the same golf club. Um, <laughs> oh, it's like the show has to fall apart in the last few minutes. I don't it's mind. always has to. My it's great. Thing is, at least going to the reviews thing, I think this conversation went a little off the rails. We're talking about the price of The Last of Us at this point. It did. But. It did. It doesn't belong but in reviews it, because if I look at a review in a year when it's $20 and you're like, oh, it's overpriced. And you're like, well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, price is a real weird thing because it doesn't price need, changes. A review, should, no a review should stay review. Val- valid in perpetuity, right? Exactly. Yeah. I should, like be, you able should be able to, to go to... Re- now, it's kind of a weird thing though, right? Because like a game like Cyberpunk can get a review and then get massively updated to change the experience. Well, yeah, and if IGN and all those people who gave it nines at the beginning were responsible, they'd re-review it, just like they, they've re-reviewed No Man's Sky. They should have done that from oh, the beginning, yeah. but they didn't. They just retroactively gave the PS4 version a four and didn't change the review at all. Like, they're just, you know. Yeah. That's, That's why you need to support content creators like us at patreon.com slash nartech who are going <laughs> to have the integrity to look at a game that they've hated for years and has become a staple of their personality on this show and are willing to come back and be like, Red Dead 2 is okay. Red Dead 2 is pretty good. <laughs> Red Dead 2 is pretty good. Chris, all I need from you now is to just download Deathloop. You don't even have to wait for it to hit PS Plus. I own it. I'll download I it. it. Like, I will digital play so it. that you could play it. But I have about 150 more hours of Red Dead to go, so I don't you know do. when I'm going to play do. Deathloop. Play it in three months. You got this. <laughs> I will. Because I, I got Red Dead 2, then I got Red Dead 1, then I got The Last of Us Remastered. And then I got I, Callisto Protocol. Dude, I have, I have a feeling that you're going to play Red Dead 1 and you're going to bounce off of it so hard. I hope I not. Don't, I don't know that that's true because I like Red Dead 1. And I've liked it since the beginning. This is not a Red Dead 2 situation where I, I couldn't stand it. And then all of a sudden I play it again. And they like, are well, fairly different games. I'll give you Arthur, that. But I think I'm Red Dead 1 you I love you so much. is quite like, dated in comparison. So I'm sure it, it, is, feels so. Slow. it feels slow for a whole different reason to me when I tried going back and playing it. I, I was like, Red Dead 2 is slow, but it's deliberately slow. This is just slow because it's a PS3 game. And what else are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, I, we'll see. I don't know. I do like Red Dead One. I just think I'm I'm obsessed with the idea of getting the platinum in both now, and it's possible. Dude, so we'll see if I do it. Hey, Godspeed! But with that said, I think it's time to wrap this baby up. You good? Yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, this has been Lucky Episode uh, Two Seventy Five. 
man, it feels crazy to think we've been doing this show that long. Um, If (laughs) you want, like Chris said, you can support content creators like us, just like our boy Stingray X did when he not only became a patron, but recently upped his patronage. Oh, thank you. Good, sir. My Thank man. you. We appreciate you. Head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Give as little as a dollar per month. Whatever you can helps. Even if it's just your time and your ear listening to the show, we appreciate it. Reach out. Hang out with us. Find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD. Find us on Facebook, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. It's a group. Uh, join the Discord. Chat up with us. Uh, but we will see you guys next week. And without further ado, we want to shout out Stingray X. It's a sin to win. AKA Sean, Aztec King, Lechion69, The Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Hammond Egger, Bailey Robertson, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Rude Days93, Kevin Bacon Bits, Danny Villiobos, Jehudi MD, No Fate, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Steven Salazar, and Shadowist. Thank each and every one of you, and we'll see you next week.